Hey, this is Jake Gibb. You're in the net live. This is Taiba Hanif Park, and you are in the net live. Aloha, this is Mike Lambert, and you are in the net live. Lloyd Ball, and you're on the net live. Ryan Malar, you're in the net live. Hey, this is Heather Bowen, and you're live in the net. Nope, that was totally wrong. <laughs> hey, this is Karch Kira, and you're in the net live with Willie and Barney. There we go. We're going to let the applause run. Back to our groove, boys. Sounds like the Manhattan Open this weekend. Nice. (laughs) 23rd of August, 2010. Welcome to the Net Live, the Redondo Beach home court, once again highly populated. Myself, Kevin Barnett, along with Chris McGee and Dan Madden. In the house again. Apparently, he's been fired on Mondays, but rehired for Tuesdays. <laughs> Welcome back to the show. We appreciate you being here on the Net Live. We have another great show planned for you today. A lot of good stuff still going on with this AVP situation. We now, this week, are going to talk to AVP managing partner Nick Lewin. You heard us talk about him last week. We're going to talk to him on the show today. And listen, be ready to call in. If you're out there listening to the show live and you want to call in, we're going to do this for the very first time. Nick Lewin is going to take some of your questions after we talk to him for a little bit. So be ready and give us a call. The number will be 347-677-1525. To get in the show, we'll let you know when we want you to call in to talk to Nick Lewin and ask him the questions you want to know about the collapse of the AVP. We also have broadcasting legend Paul Sunderland supposed to be giving us a call. At some point during the program, we'll talk to him about the history of volleyball. We'll talk to him about the Grand Prix now and what he's been up to. He's a guy who's who's seen a lot. He's seen a lot of mileage uh, from the beach game in particular. Of course, a gold medalist in uh, 1984 on that uh, team there. And so a guy who really has kind of the long view of the world of volleyball. We're also going to talk to Manhattan Beach Open champion Aaron Wachvogel and uh, AutonomousUSA.com entrepreneur Aaron Wachvogel. He's yeah. still raging. Still. Nah, still going. Still going. <laughs> do, do they let him install his own Name on the pier? Do you get to go down? Is it a ceremony? Do you put that on, or the city maybe, just sticks it in there on like a Tuesday afternoon? Well, maybe this year because they they apparently lost so much money putting the tournament on. So, all right, well we'll get That's to that. That's a joke. That's a joke, guys. <laughs> I didn't think that was funny. I don't know. I wasn't there. Dan and I sure. uh, had a lot of conversations this weekend. We we, we would lot. find each other and we would blow all of our radio material. On the sands, man. <laughs> oh, good. Yeah. So it's all rehearsed. Yeah. So it's it's all ruined. You guys should be sharp. Oh, and good and it was, conversation. It was even it was even better with Mark Worschel there. Mark Worschel was there, Worschel. our executive producer of the AVP, who got fired along with myself. Uh, and we had a lot of debates about the Manhattan Beach Open. And, and Dan, we're going to get your take in a minute. I, I I did think that it was a fun tournament. I thought it was a great tournament. Uh, Aaron Walkvogel is one of my best friends in the world, and Sean Rosenthal. I, I feel like the right guys won the tournament. Oh, no question. Uh, you know, local that. kids that grew up here and played their entire lives in this tournament and watched all their heroes play it for them to win together. You know, that team would have never happened unless we went back to the old rule fo- format. So for, for one time, I, I thought it was a great tournament. Dan and I ar- argued about this because he saw how great the old game was and, and, and wanted to, to, to go back that way. And I said, it can't. <laughs> yeah, I saw an email that I'm 100% behind nearly. the old rules. Well, oh, he's nearly. so dramatic. Yeah, I am. You know what I mean? He's so dramatic. I know this, He's though. in the middle of the beach saying, this is it. This is how volleyball should be forever. He's screaming, I'm king of the world. King of the world, yeah. He's Leonardo, <laughs> just on the edge of the pier, and, but no one's holding it back, and they're going to let Dan fall in. 
<laughs> are our mics messed up, by the way? I'm seeing on the chat board that we're... We're sounding a little fuzzy? Yeah. No, I, I, we're okay. <laughs> Everyone else is, is not hearing right. Wow, that's not a good Someone's sign. Someone's telling me to turn my mic on. My mic is on. Really? Yeah, sorry. Really? George isn't happy. I thought we were past these problems, really. Yeah, I thought we no. had gone beyond this. We went from our greatest show of all time with the most ever live listeners and in the chat room to yeah. just complete catastrophe. And I even left the whole thing set up, so I'm not sure what the heck's going on here. Half the show will be us talking about, hey, how's the audio? Guys. <laughs> I appreciate my <laughs> wife you, making sure I got to the show today. You know, I have a problem with so that here, actually. Yeah. I'm glad you brought that up because... I'm not sure your wife actually exists. I'm not sure you don't pick up Millie from somewhere in Manhattan Beach on the way just to come and hang out here with us and watch George. Fake I, kid, dude. I've never met your wife. Never, dude, my kid one. has nine tattoos right now. Look at her. She had a field day at the Manhattan. Oh she looked uh, like she went to Redondo I want to Union apologize to, to the Net Live because we had a dinner set up. Yes. Maddens, Barnett's, Pretties, and the Geeters. Supposed to go down to Newport Beach. <laughs> the Geeters. And I got a last minute call because Michael Ease from Fox Sports got sick. I had to go do the Dodger game, and you all know that I need employment, so I had to go do it. And the, com- the dinner got completely canceled, and I had no idea. I was going on the air in about 20 minutes for Dodgers Live, and Reed's texting me, and I'm like, so call me when everyone's there, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, dude, the dinner's canceled. I need to issue I was a formal devastated. apology. I was, I was bummed. Like, I felt like I ruined everything for everybody. No, I thought it was okay, because you have to make money. We understand that. You but were I, stoked. You didn't want to drive to Newport Beach. No, because I was up in Westlake Village. Do it. I was quite happy, but I do have a formal apology to issue to Dan Madden, who sent an email somewhere around 5.30 saying, I think I'm going to be late, just start without me. <laughs> yeah, that was awesome. I didn't awesome. get that until about 9.30. Yeah, we didn't cancel, the, yeah. we canceled dinner five hours before that email. Yeah, well, I, I didn't know this, and I'm about to get in the car and drive to Huntington, like two-hour drive right. in rush hour. And I'm like, ooh. Apparently, no one can hear me on this show, on the chat room. So yeah, I'm going to fix this. That, that, that might be a good thing for today. I'm going to go off the mic for a sec. We're picking you up here, so I'm not sure what the issue is. Maybe we just mute me. No, we need you in the show. We do? Yeah. Oh. You're just trying to get out of it now because you were out late last night with Aaron Wachfogel partying it up. You know, when one of your best friends wins the Manhattan Open, you have no choice but to rage. Yeah. And. So you did? I did. And uh, I had a great time. I haven't been out in a long time, Dan. Weird that you're fixing my microphone on my face. <laughs> I'm just standing right in front of you. Well, apologies for the technical issues there. Uh, what's going on? But also, we want to let you know we're giving away on today's show. We're back to the giveaways. We're back to the Mikasa stuff. Thank you very much to uh, Jordan over at Mikasa for supporting the show. Mikasa, one of the great companies in the history of volleyball, not just beach or indoor. And we're going to give away a Mikasa setters ball today, so you can train with the setters ball. We're going to give one of those away at some point during the show. We're going to have some trivia. You're going to have to call in an answer, but you can win a Mikasa Setters Ball that will be in your hands, hopefully by the end of the week, and much apologies to the folks that are just getting their stuff this week from a couple weeks ago. But we are back on it. Remember when I said I wanted Dan to be at the shows and I wrote his boss an email saying, Lindsay, thanks uh, for being a great boss? Yeah. Now I want Dan off the show so I can have my microphone back. <laughs> no one can hear me in the chat room, so I'm Still gonna, nobody can hear No, me. I'm quitting. Can quitting. we share a mic or something? I, I'm quitting and leaving the show. I'm getting <laughs> in my car in three minutes. Yeah. All right, oh, that's a good question. What to do? I guess as long as everyone can hear me, that's all I'm concerned about. Forget anyone else. Let's uh, let's ask about the Manhattan Beach tournament here. Let's do our best to uh, to talk about the Manhattan Beach tournament. Geeter, give us a little mic check there. Mic check, mic check. Anyone here, Geeter, out there? Let Dan know on the chat board. 
Well, let's talk about the Manhattan Beach Open. What happened at the Manhattan Beach Open? There was a lot of controversy starting before it went on. Of course, we covered last week that Chris Brown was here on the program talking about the fact that we're going to go to old score. We're going to go to the big court, no antennas, uh, regular scoring back to 15, had to serve to score, for those of you who don't remember the world of volleyball before that. They're going to play with a white ball that had a lot of panels on it and weighed a ton. And Kerry Walsh wrote, wrote an, an open letter that was supposed to be sent to the city that said, hey, we, uh, we don't want to play. This is bad for our sport, those kind of things. And uh, I, I didn't agree with the tone of that letter uh, as to what is going on with the sport today. I think that it doesn't matter what the score is. This could be a fun one-off tournament. But, Dan, how did it come off? You were there. So. I was there. Well, yeah. oh, my goodness. There was so much stuff going on about this tournament, good or bad. You know, old school versus new school people. It was crazy. I thought it was just, for me, as a volleyball fan, and, and I played in it, I just had a great time playing playing old school rules and watching old school rules. Uh, a lot of it had to do with the fact that there was no stadium, and you could sit right on the court, kind of six-man style. Um. I don't know. Geeter, how did you feel about it? I had a great time at the tournament. Um, it was a lot different for me showing up and, and not working for the first time in 13 years. I, I loved being up close and personal. My wife and I watched all of uh, Aaron's games. Um, I thought the Aaron Walkfogel, Sean Rosenthal, Billy Allen, Jeff Nygaard game was the best game of the weekend. Uh, phenomenal crowd, great vibe, and, and four phenomenal volleyball players. I, I thought those guys were, were, were unbelievable. I, I, I loved it. For one weekend, for one weekend, um, I I understand what Kerry and Jake Gibb and Matt Furbringer, uh, I I understand their stance, I really do, but I also see why Aaron and Rosie and some of the guys played in this tournament because it is the Manhattan Open and at the end of the day there is no other volleyball right now, and they wanted to honor the tournament. They grew up here. Yeah. The, to them, this is the, the, the Super Bowl. So no matter what size the court, no matter what scoring, they are going to play in this tournament. And I think that was the right decision. I also back Carrie Walsh. Hey, she's got to have some leverage right now. She's got to take a stance. And I'm glad she took a stance. Whether you agree with it or not, finally a star in some sport took, took a stance and stuck by it. Tiger Woods never takes a stance. Certain guys never, you know, they just walk that line. And she said, you know what, here's why I'm not playing in it. And I apologize. I, I'd love to be a part of this, but I'm not going to be, and here's why. And, and you have to respect it. Uh, I, I'm, I'm completely on board with both sides of the story, or both sides, of, both player opinions. Like, either play just because it's Manhattan Open. Millie needs water, sorry. Great. <laughs> There's some water right here. And uh, you, play, you don't play because uh, you don't want to, like, you don't want to play the, new, the old rules because it's kind of the – out of nowhere, it's weird, it's strange, but I think there's one thing that no I one's think really that, talking look, about. Look, if you don't want to play the old rules, you're scared somebody else is going to beat you. I, I think that's Yeah, there's wrong. a pride thing going on. Problem with that. I don't know if there's a pride thing going on with Carrie Walsh not playing. Here's one thing that no one's really mentioning. She wasn't worried about somebody beating her. No, there's no way. <laughs> I mean, who won? Uh, I, Heather Lowe and Teal Hunkis, who are yeah. decent players. Um, By the way, congratulations. Though. Yeah, that's great. Um, <clears throat> here's something that no one's talking about. If... All our best players in this country play in a tournament that's worth $15,000. That severely devalues everybody and the entire tour. Because sponsors will say, wait, wait, wait. You have all your best players playing in this no-money tournament. 
why would I pay two hundred thousand per tournament for these play- yeah. for these same players? Yeah. No one's talking about this. That's a good I feel point. like that's the reason these guys didn't play, and that's, that's the, the good reason. Oh yeah, that I is mean, the, good the rules reason. had something to do with it. Like, hey, you guys are changing the rules. We need to stick together. But a lot of it was, yeah, there's no <clears> prize money. Yeah. And and right now, more than ever, players need to be unified. I think if if Carrie explicitly said that, I think she would have had had more success in getting players on board with her with her opinion here. Uh, or with her action, you know, I, I know that, you know, it was positioned differently. It was positioned as this is horrible for our sport. I disagree but there's with no that. Reasoning. The, and it was positioned with the rules, like the rules are horrible for our sport. I think your point is more to the point that it is bad for the sport that you can buy the players for much less money. Yeah, it's that I think bad. is bad for the sport. I'll agree with that statement, yeah, but absolutely. I won't agree with that. Playing a one-off tournament under slightly different rules is going to kill the sport. It has nothing to do with killing the sport. The rules don't matter, and that's been proven by the changes in indoor and the changes in beach and the lack of increased popularity in the States over the last 15 years. It hasn't grown on television, and they keep making all these changes in the rules for television, and the answer is, it's not the rules. <laughs> okay, the rules don't matter. There's some other force at work. Yeah, well, you know, I filmed the whole weekend, uh, primarily the men's side, um, I filmed the crowds. I filmed filmed a lot of the games, including, well, we just turned up, including Rosie and uh, Aaron versus Billy and uh, Nygaard, which is just a great match. Um, and I kind of I got interviews from Sinjin, Jim Rico, Geeter, uh, all these old school guys, all these new school guys, and kind of just see because this feels like something's in the air. These past two weeks in beach volleyball have been a whirlwind, and I feel like something's going to happen. Corona Light. Wide open tour is coming in a month with these same rules. Like, is volleyball in America going to change because of this? I don't think so. No? Okay. I don't. And, and <laughs> you and I talked about this on the beach, and, yeah. and Mark Orschel was involved as well. And I had a great conversation with Dodd the other day, and it, it really hit home for me. It's okay to have the Corona Wide Open Tour and the AVP or whatever name you, you want to call it. The best players in the world have to play the world rules and have to be a part of the Olympic qualification process. Because the ultimate goal for these athletes, and I know you and I differ on this, Dan, it is about the Olympics. It, it, it is important for these guys to play against Brazil with the same rules. But we, and it's okay to have the Corona Wide Open Tour do their rules. It's okay. I, I just don't see the connection, the correlation between Olympic success and success for a domestic tour in beach volleyball. I just don't get it. It, it seems like it should because beach volleyball is so popular during the Olympics. But it was, I believe, Canyon telling me that Misty and Carrie got a 22 rating in the Olympics in the gold medal match. The next weekend in Cincinnati, they got a .5. Television ratings. Like, I don't think there's, no, I there's, don't, no guys, spike. Yeah. there's a spike in attendance for one or two tournaments. Our attendance is not the problem. There's always people at tournaments. Well, that's what I'm saying. The, the issue here is ratings on TV, if you're talking about Olympics. We don't market we, we don't. We don't yeah, have. But no one's marketed for 26 years. We won a gold medal in 1984. I know, but I'm just happened. saying, like, there's no commercials about it. There's because we don't have the money to pay for it. So if you're not being marketed on TV, how, how do people know it's on? Uh, I, I think my point. Wow. My my point is, uh, the Olympics are great for the individuals in the Olympics, especially if you win a gold medal. But it doesn't translate to success of an entire tour. Especially when no, you're talking about sponsors that want that want Misty and Carrie and need Misty and Carrie. What happens when Misty and Carrie aren't there? 
Well, they don't care anymore about the sport. We've talked exactly. about how Misty and Carrie are not volleyball athletes; they're Olympic athletes. I think we're getting away from the point, though, of the Manhattan Beach Open and, and the right, discussion right. about the rules. And for me, I'm going to go back to the tennis argument that I made last week with Wimbledon. Wimbledon has different surface, different rules, a, a lot of differences from the Olympic event for tennis and from the standard tennis tour. Whether you're talking about the U.S. Open or the French Open on clay, I mean, it, it's it's a one-off thing. So if there was a tour going on a series of tournaments that were loosely connected that was a tour, if that comes back, and Manhattan Beach happens to be one that's regular score, big court, no antennas, I don't think that makes any difference. I think it makes it interesting. I think it's a one weekend where people may tune in to say, hey, I wonder what's going to happen. How well will Phil and Todd do on the big court? Because there's all this debate about the small court made the big guys more valuable and made them get rid of the little guys and made specialization, uh, you know, the, the game. You don't have the all-around players anymore. Well, let's have one tournament in the middle of the season that settles some of those arguments, or better yet, inflames some of those arguments. Uh, CB and I, Chris Brown, president of uh, CBVA that came on uh, the show last week, we had that conversation with Dan in, in the middle of the court after the final. <laughs> you know, it, it actually would be cool. It would be cool if, if one tournament a year we did that. Yeah. I, I, think I, 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 I would have no problem with that. No one would have a problem with that. No one would have a problem. And there's other things. There's a couple It'd be other cool things. to see guys play with you know, Aaron and Rosie teaming up. Yeah, that's cool. Well, listen, we, we are lucky enough to have, after this past weekend, the tournament did go on, as we talked about, and there was a winner. Dan, who won? Aaron Waffle and Sean Rosenthal. Well, we are pleased to be joined by a man we can now refer to as Manhattan Beach Open champion, a man about to have his name on the pier, Aaron Wachvogel. Welcome back to the Net Live. Oh, that, sounds, that sounds great. <laughs> and you sound awful. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I, went, I went old school style last night, you know? I guess so, yeah. You were in the bar after the tournament, and the fans had their access to you. What was it like being carried up to Shellback? I thought I was going to, first of all, I thought I was going to fall off and die. The one guy that was carrying me was a little bit wobblier than the other guy, so it was kind of a rickety shan I took up to Shellback. But it was great to sit in the champion's booth, I'll tell you that. Uh, Aaron, let's start you out with this. What, why did you decide to play? With all the fear that was going on, what was your thought process like? I had to play. It was... You know, I used to be a four-year-old going down there and making my parents get up early and go down and watch that tournament. And for me, unless someone shot my leg off or did something really bad, I, I just, regardless of all the situations surrounding it, I just I had to play. It's it's a tournament that's really near and dear to my heart. Now, tell us about how the old-school scoring worked and the court size and what adjustments you made. I mean, it's a, it's a format that hasn't been played largely in 10 years. Yeah, we were we we practiced once on Thursday with the ball on the lines, and we were awful. Um, and we wanted to get down there. We somehow were the one seed, and we wanted to get try to win our win, early ones quick because we knew that it could be a battle. I mean, we, I played one um, with a different ball, but the week before at altitude, and it took us two hours, and we lost. Me and Billy lost fifteen six or something, but it took two hours. So we wanted to try to bury teams early and get off the court and be rested, and luckily we could do that. Um, but we just went back and ripped jumpers and tried to be scrappy and dig balls and take advantage of opportunities, and, and we kind of did that. We we served pretty well the last two matches, too. Aaron, uh, I thought the Hoff, Tim Hovland, a five-time Manhattan Beach Open winner, who, who's always critical of, of people who win for the first time, and he, he's not afraid to let you have it. It's like, welcome to the club. But he, he, ha- he had a great quote last night when, when he was toasting you guys at Shellbacks. He said, uh, I'm, I'm proud and happy to share the pier 
with you two. And I think that right, probably cool. validates a lot for you, especially coming from the Hav. Yeah, it's, it's, I still I don't really get it. I think I was telling you yesterday when they were doing that ceremonial first serve, and actually I had to leave the court. I couldn't watch all those all those guys I've watched forever. I, I couldn't even try to think about that I was going to be in that club. And for Hav to say that, it, just, it, it felt really good. And that Bud Light was really tasty. <laughs> Aaron, you mentioned the physical challenge of playing old school scoring and how the tournaments can go a lot longer, matches can go a lot, long, a lot longer. How did you feel physically at the end of this tournament? I, I actually felt really good. Um, and neither has Sean and I have been trained that much since Long Beach because we're just kind of depressed about the tour. But um, I think we did a good job of burying teams when we could and kind of getting off the court and putting teams away. But I, I like the old school for me because I've always been kind of a scrapper. And that game, without scoring, it's never over. You know, you can you can battle and wear someone out, and even if they have a lead, you can kind of grind them out. And it's different with the new scoring. I mean, it's, I'm not going to say it's mentally tougher to do it on the big court because I think both ways are are tough mentally. Like on the small court, you can't have any lapses in concentration. And on the big court, you got to be better for longer. So it's just different both ways. But I actually, we both felt pretty good and. Um, I don't know. I think we're kind of built for the for the older game. Hey, Aaron, uh, we were talking earlier about your match against Jeff Nygaard and, and, and Billy Allen, and, and I thought it proved a couple things. Number one, Nygaard was always the guy who kind of came from the indoor game right when the rules changed, and people always kind of he, – he was the one they used as like he's an indoor guy who would have never been able to play on the big court. I thought he proved everybody wrong, and I thought Billy Allen was a complete god on that court. So I feel like that was the match of the tournament without a question. Yeah, I think so. I mean, we had that – early lead 7-0 I think in 13-7 and with that scoring they came back to 13-12 it felt like it took four hours but Billy Allen on that court is he's also made for that court I mean he, he gets up and he can hit high and shoot and Nygaard has sweet hands I mean he could have set in any era uh, yeah so I, I'm stoked Nygaard played I was talking to him in the players tent right before I went to the go to the final and he was like I can't believe I just did all that work for no money but you know I think <laughs> he's you know, great, people kind of get on Nygaard a little bit but he obviously loves the game, and he yeah. loves to be around it. And, and by the way, he gained uh, a lot of respect, I think, by, 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 by playing in this game when he didn't have to. With a long yeah. shirt on. Yeah. <laughs> and, and playing really good. And also, he, Billy Strickland, He's in his so second good. big court tournament of all time, everyone's like, oh, Billy's just a big tall guy. But Billy's got skills. You know, he was an outside hitter in college, so it's not like he's some middle blocker with no ball control. He, he's, he's kind of nasty on that big court, too. Well, what was that like for you to play against your partner, Billy Strickland? And, and, and then Dana Camacho, who, who, who's a great story, man. I mean, that Camacho makes the Manhattan Open final is a story in itself. Yeah, I, I knew that Billy was going to be good and, and be in the hunt, and to play him in the final was, was kind of good. You know, like, I, I'm stoked that he made it that far, and we got to play each other, and it proves how, how, how good we are as a team together this year, too. And uh, I've actually never played Camacho this year, or ever, but I was stoked we buried him. The first sky ball I served, it bit really hard, and Sean had to dive to get it, and then he put it away, and he walked back. He's like, wow, that thing uh, really comes back there at the end. <laughs> You're listening to Net Live here on the volleyballnetwork.com. We're talking with Manhattan Beach Open winner Aaron Wachfogel. Aaron, you mentioned Dana Camacho. We need to clarify who Dana Camacho is for most of our listening audience. If you had to build a stereotype of the California Beach Hang out guy, volleyball player. Dana Camacho's it, isn't it? That's the guy you look in the dictionary. Manhattan Beach volleyball player. You get Dana Camacho, do you not? Ooh, I don't know. No, yeah, I don't know. Except he's from Florida and he has like all of Pam Anderson's tattoos. <laughs> <laughs> 
behind but he, these smokes, gritties and stuff. I think oh, man. The, the California yeah. Beach Volleyball player is a little bit, uh, I want to say a little bit, like, cleaner. I, I think oh. it was more always, like, a Ron Von Hagen to me is, like, a California Beach Volleyball player, like, bringing his tee down, having a six-pack. But Dana, is, uh, he's got all the skills anyone's ever had and on that court. He's he's tough to stop. Uh, and he's got a, he's got a good <clears throat> he's he's entertaining and he's a great player. Um, but I'm just glad we smashed him. Aaron, you mentioned that you haven't trained very much. You and Sean have not trained very much since Long Beach. Where has your mind been? What are your plans now? Given that you were an AVP professional, but not necessarily spending time on the FIVB. Yeah, I mean I don't know. We uh, I've been working out a little bit, but it's kind of hard to go down and. Workout, and you don't know what you're working out for. And I know Sean's been playing a lot of golf. I think Sean's going to join the PGA Tour. Uh, So I don't know. I mean, if I can get a job, I might just get a job. I've put everything I've had in this sport for seven, eight years and gave the point where I want to start a family and I can't support it. I mean, even if the tour comes back and there's eight tournaments, I don't know. Um, The one thing that we're looking to do maybe is Billy has his Irish passport and I'm of Irish descent. So if we can get our Irish citizenship, we might go try to – Go to the Olympics for Ireland, but we're working on that now. I don't know if it's going to work out. What Otherwise, you, I might hang it up. That that'd be awesome if you do that. But what, what do you and Rosie do next year for the Manhattan Open? Do you guys run it back, no matter what the rules are? <laughs> that'd be awesome. Uh, <laughs> by the way, nobody know. beat you yesterday. You guys. I mean, you guys were at the top of your game. Yeah, we we felt like we were pretty good, and we we kind of after we won, I wanted to play anybody from any era. Um, I think on the big court, we we're uh, you actually said that to pretty, pretty good team. Yeah, I told Hoff we would have buried him and Dodd, but that was after a couple of fantasies. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, one other serious question for you, Aaron. We know we've talked a lot about on the program here your clothing business, uh, Autonomous USA, your shorts and stuff. What does the collapse of the tour do to that business, or does it allow you time, more time to focus on that business? Uh, it's unfortunate um, for my business, but we were never really going to tie ourselves fully to the volleyball market anyway because it's it's kind of a short you, anybody can wear to work out with and look at it. So it's an avenue we're going to still pursue, but it obviously is going to be lessened. Um, and we have a limited edition run coming out in three or four weeks for real this time <laughs> at the fire manufacturer, but we're still rolling and I'm going to keep working on it and it would be my dream to still own my own company. So I'm going to keep pursuing it. Real quick, Aaron, I know you talked about uh, what it would be like to take your kids down that pier one day. Yesterday, hugging your wife and, and your mom and dad and your brother, what, what was that like for, for you when, when it finally hit you that, wow, I just won this tournament in front of my, my family? I, yeah, I, I couldn't believe it. I mean, after I gave the worst acceptance speech of, of all, all time. Of all time, by the way, a terrible speech. Uh, I hugged my mom <laughs> and said thank you because she's my trainer and shed some tears. I just couldn't believe it. Every I, I was looking around the final. I tried to take a couple of looks around because I was trying to enjoy the moment and everyone in the crowd I knew and everyone everyone that I've ever like knew or grown up with was there cheering for me so it was a really special moment for me and I, I just I still don't think that I understand that we won the Manhattan Open I've been trying to do that my whole life and we just did it yesterday and Dan Mad didn't clap for me once the whole tournament by the way Dan Madden was sure rooting did. for every team you played he was rooting against you no. He never cheers for me. Dan Madden will never cheer for me once. Oh, you'll hear. Do. You'll hear. I gave him my El Gringo hat. I taught him how to, you know, party at the six man, and he still won't clap once. It's, it's, the, win, it's the win and sprint. He's still bitter <laughs> about the win and sprint, Aaron. That's what he's doing. <laughs> well, hey, Aaron Walkfogel is a professional beach volleyball player and the 2010 Manhattan Beach Open champion. That has a nice oh, ring to it. Aaron, thanks very much for joining us here on the Net Live. We hope you get some more sleep today. 
<laughs> Thanks, guys. I want to go to brunch. Yeah. Hey, I'll see you after, bud. By the way, Aaron, Aaron's brother, Andrew, had the greatest quote last night. We're at, we're at the North End. We're at Critters, raging. There's like 40 people, and he's like, you know what's awesome is that 40 of our closest friends don't have a job. <laughs> oh man! Just go out and rage because, like, it's just a you know a hodgepodge of people on a oh, Sunday night who really worked in this group. It was pretty funny. That's did yeah. you then play credit card roulette, I mean, just hoping it's someone like else? Either it's a real estate agent, or it's a, a guy that you know used to do this in volleyball, or it's a guy that works through, whatever it is. But it that's, was just pretty funny that everyone's just what around. happens in Southern California. Just people don't work, and it doesn't make sense. <laughs> they for sure weren't working today. <laughs> I mean, that's that, that's uh, that's the bottom line. Yeah, you wonder. You go to the beach, and you wonder how how are all these people here. Tuesday, yeah. 11 a.m., why are there, like, huge crowds of people? I mean, the mermaid and the poop deck only employ, like, half a dozen people down there in Hermosa Beach. <laughs> Everybody else has to be doing something. So true. <laughs> I, I feel like the, the relationship between me and Aaron is like uh, the relationship between Phil and Todd. Like, Phil will never be good enough for Todd. But I feel like uh, you'll, you'll see. I filmed the whole final yesterday, and uh, we were giving some good heckles to Dana and, and Billy for sure. Camacho is a, a joy to watch. I'm proud of Billy Dude, Strickland, man. Billy Strickland is good. a baller, and he's turned into a great, great player, no matter what the size of the court is. And by the way, Phil and Todd would be good on whatever size court you want to put them on. Absolutely. They Phil. won their ninth gold in Absolutely. 12 tournaments on the FIVB this weekend. That is unprecedented, unheard of, and a joke. Quick, what's nine times 30? That's what their prize money is. Yeah. Nine times 30,000. Yeah. That's Phil and Todd's current prize winnings on the FIVB alone. Well, uh, Todd wrote a blog entry on his on his website. I'll link it on the chat board. Uh, would would how good would Phil be on the on the big court? Really it's, good, man. Just as good. Cool. I think the same. <laughs> yeah, I know. I mean, the guy can play the whole game. He he only blocks you know ninety nine percent of the time because that's the way it's set up. I think he'd be doing the same thing. The yeah. guy can pass. The guy can move. You see him when he gets stuck in the back row. Play some defense when he's pulling off. He plays Dude, if Dude, the Phil guy can play the game. Pool volleyball. He'd be. Freaking awesome. No way. I got him in no, the pool. No, dude, it practicing. doesn't matter what I'm gonna court dominate you him. put him on. I'm taking him in my in-laws. The pool's a little odd-shaped. I would kill him. I know it. I've got the nooks and crannies. Yeah. You know who's listening for the first time? I just found out on Twitter. Who you got? Brooke Niles Hansen. Cool. One of my favorite players on tour. And I'm so bummed that the AVP went under because I also wanted to see Brooke and Kerry Walsh play together. I think that would have been really yeah. cool. And I think that's what the fans kind of got cheated out of when, when the AVP went under. We, we lost some great events. And we lost the opportunity to see if Phil and Todd would have gone undefeated, Barney. No one's ever done that on the men's side. Yeah. Could they have done it? I, I tell you what, they, they, they may have. Asterisk, strike short in season. Maybe the AVP will be back. I don't know. We'll have to see. And, Danny, by the way, real quick, yeah. that would have been a great match yesterday. Aaron and Rosie versus Phil and Todd on that big court. Oh, yeah, for sure. Who wins? Oh, Phil and Todd. Phil and, you can't pick against Phil and I'm Todd. I'm taking Aaron Sorry, Rosie. Aaron and Rosie. Rosie, Rosie's, Rosie might be up there, top five easy best big court players of all time. That guy's just his block. No one realizes how good of a block. And Dan he is. has never ever cheered for Aaron. All right, we still have some great stuff to come on the show today. We're supposed so to hear from Paul Sunderland. We've got uh, Nick Lewin supposed to be in the house here shortly. AVP managing owner, I guess, still owner of the AVP. Whatever. I like that happens to Cut us off because you're sick of me and Dan. We'll find out about that. <laughs> <laughs> Better than a commercial doing yeah. And we do have the College Volleyball Weekly coming up. We have Holly McPeak checking in and Dave Reed from ESPN.com. They're going to come in and tell us about the Big Ten, the Big 12, and the Pac-10. Also, Reed is boycotting us. Reed is boycotting <laughs> us. He's mad because we did not record a segment with him in it this week. And uh, he's doing his best to well, remove himself Well, he wanted to do it at 1030 at night on I Saturday. I was emceeing the Dinner of Champions, by the way, which was fantastic. <laughs> the Manhattan Beach Dinner of Champions. Thanks Steve Obadovich, Chris Marlowe, 
and uh, oh, Marlo and, was here. Yeah, and Linda Hanley. Oh, I mean, you're talking about three of the best characters, greatest personalities to ever yeah. play our game. I mean, all three of those people. Number one, uh, the funniest people ever. They gave great speeches. Oh, Fanoi awesome. ran it. Great. And I'm sorry for not inviting you. I actually had room at the table. I apologize. But anyways, Reed wanted to... How come you only pointed at Dan and said that? Because you're not into it. You're an indoor guy. You, you wouldn't have wanted to go. Dude, I, my first professional experience was Marlo. I just want to come hang out with him some more. <laughs> he had a great line about... He's like, stay up here, Chris. Stay up here. And, and we're up on this like, catwalk. And he's like, you know, I did network television for the AVP for 19 years. 19 years. Ran smooth. He's like, I handed the mic over to Geeter. He couldn't get through two thirds of the season. <laughs> and then everyone was like, no. And it was really funny. It was one of the greatest heckles of all time. But then he turned and he looked at me and he goes, You deserve network television. You've earned it. You know, it was, it was a great, and everyone liked cheering. It was, it was a really cool thing because he, he absolutely crushed me, but then pumped me up at the end. <laughs> it was hey. a perfect heckle. Crush the guy. It was like a best man speech. Right. Crush him and then bring him back up. I just want to let you know, I made light of you going to the soup kitchen this week and hopefully you didn't have to spend too many nights there. But we know you're going to land yeah. on your feet somewhere. You're going to end up broadcasting somewhere and bigger and better than volleyball ever could have taken you. Uh, I appreciate that. It's going to happen. Yeah, I've got a lot of great compliments this weekend. And Tom Fear, my boss at Fox, has been awesome. I mean, totally stepping up. And, and uh, so people are, people are backing us and helping it's us. And, and you know what, Barney? I think we said this last week. Volleyball is being talked about <laughs> no matter where we go and not just by volleyball people. When I went, I went to interview Jerry Buss last Wednesday at the Bicycle Casino of all places. Shocker. He was, he was uh, running a you know, p- poker tournament, and we were going to interview him for Fox Sports about being into the Hall of Fame. He got inducted in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. So I walk in, and John Black is there, and all these people are there. Those are you know, it's the Lakers PR director, Mike Bresnan from the LA Times. They're like, oh my God, are your ears burning? We were just talking about the AVP. Like, all the Laker people and beat writers and all the people that were there were talking about the AVP, and they were so bummed on what happened. I thought that was pretty amazing. Well, it's funny because the world of basketball and volleyball are pretty intertwined because a lot of the athletes play both sports growing up. A lot of them still enjoy the sport in the offseason just for fun. And, of course, you had a few Lakers on your team for six-man. And you, and you see basketball players around that tournament all the time that live around here. Uh, so any publicity is good publicity, I guess. Yeah, I mean, it's a shame that it's this kind of publicity. But I asked, and you know what, Barney, uh, Mark Worskell and I were, were interviewing people uh, like, like Danny was this weekend. We talked to Sinjin and Hav and Dodd and Leonard Armato we got on camera, and he was great. And we would ask about, is, is volleyball divided right now? Is the community divided? And it was some interesting, interesting answers out there. And Sinjin was saying it's not really divided. And I, I, I thought, agree with that. You know, he's like, there's, there's a spot for everyone. There's different kinds of tours, and that's okay. And I thought it was, I thought it was on point. I think your point about the the AVP and Corona Wide Open and CBVA and all being able to exist and the rules are a little bit different, I think that's okay. I'm with you. I think that's okay, but the the problem is you don't have that feature feature anymore, and that's that's bad for the sport. Well, hey, ladies and gentlemen, we have reached the first commercial break. We're going to take a little breather here. Dan, you made it. Oh, my gosh. We'll be right back here on the Net Live on the VolleyballNetwork.com. Thanks for being here. A lot more to come. See you in a few minutes.
Truly, volleyball starts here. For more information about the league and programs in your area, visit usyvl.org. That's usyvl.org. Hey, Reed. Yeah, Dan? Hey, if I wanted to call in and talk to you guys, what would I have to do? Well, first you'd have to have something meaningful to say. I can do that. And then you want to probably scale that down to about 20 seconds. Done. And then you want to pick up the phone and dial 347-677-1525. So I can call 347-677-1525 and say, Reed Pretty, you're my favorite volleyball player ever. Now, Dan, when you say that, are you are, are you making fun of me? Or, um, or I mean, is the joke on me? I, I don't get it. Get off the bench. Suck yourself in. Pick up the phone and call. The net live will not be held responsible for opinions and ideas expressed by others. Welcome back in to Net Live here on the volleyballnetwork.com. We appreciate you joining us here on this Monday morning. Beautiful Monday morning here in California for once. We've uh, suffered through the summer of gloom. I think it's broken in the past week or so. We are finally rid of that. Wife was very upset. You couldn't go to the beach. We haven't really been at the beach this year because it's been so cold. It's been literally in the mid-60s, cloudy and windy. I know the rest of the country has been just sizzling hot. New York City's getting cooked. The East Coast is just getting tortured. Anyone here from uh, Brooke Billings? Brooke Billings. I heard, actually, I saw a Facebook from Brooke that uh, he's arrived overseas. Yeah. I think there was an earthquake, play? though, where he he was. Oh, really? Something. No, I hadn't heard about that. I know that he arrived just uh, about four or five days ago overseas, ready for the season. And that's what happens. If you don't play national team, you go August, late August, early September, you are overseas, and you come home April, May. That's it. You have received a sentence of nine months, eight months. You've you've been there. <laughs> oh yeah. Were you were you single? When you uh, the first time when I went over, I was uh, not single. So single, did you ever go I was over there when by you were, myself? Yeah. Is that tough? It's much harder than going with somebody. You know, at, at times it's harder being with somebody because <laughs> you're trapped in a little room all by yourself. Yeah. But no, it, it was it was definitely more difficult. But it was the one time that I played with another American. I played with Mike Seeley, which was fun. It was fun. Yeah. Uh, although Mike did go into a disappearing act for about a month. We didn't see him. He, like, skipped practice, said he was sick. He came out looking like a mountain man, hadn't shaved in a few weeks. Kind of scary. I remember that. I had to pull him back from the brink, I think. It was uh, shortly after New Year's, as I recall. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's definitely easier when you have a significant other or, or you're playing with another American to go over there and play together. It's always a challenge when it's just you. But I think these athletes, they get used to it uh, over time. You get used to going over there, making new friends, hanging out with your teammates. You get more comfortable with that process. And, yeah, after the first few years, it's just how you live. You know, you're, you're a professional athlete, so you have to, you have to prepare for that. So it's like when you're in the off season, you know what to do, and, and you know where you're going, and you know how to do it. 
So a lot yeah. of us are like, God, what's it like when you go overseas? But when you, when you start doing it, you just you know how to prepare for it. My mom always used to marvel at the fact mm-hmm. that she'd come over a month after we were there, and it looked like we lived there for a year. Because you just get things established. You come into your apartment, you change everything around the way you want it. You, you usually have some stuff that kind of follows you around, goes in storage during the summertime. And you get that brought in, and now you got the kitchen outfitted. And you just sort of make it home because you go, well, we're going to be here for nine months, eight months, five months, whatever it is. It's a long time to be in a place and have it be feeling temporary. You really want it to feel more permanent. It's like getting into a new dorm room at school. You see, you know, kids personalize their dorm room immediately. It's like, all right, how do I make this my own space and make myself comfortable? Same thing, no difference. I heard there was a Twitter war, <coughs> excuse me, between... <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> I mean, it, my nickname should be Louis Vuitton, because I am luggage today, so I appreciate you guys carrying me. There's a little Twitter war between Hans Stolfus and Brad Keenan. Really? I'm Can we get on that? Can we check on that? Twitter.com. If I'm wrong, I apologize, but I'm just throwing things out there today and just, and just see what sticks. You've got to love, love Hans Stolfus' Twitter, twitter.com slash Hans Stolfus. That guy just speaks his mind. He in does. 140 characters or more, because sometimes he has to use If you're going to pump up his Twitter, can you pump up mine, Geeter3? I mean, I have 982 followers. I would love to get to 1,000. you got to go on Facebook. You'll get 1,000 in a week. I don't Facebook. Yeah. you got to intertwine okay. those two things. you got to have yeah, some friends. Yeah, you, you know, people, just, dude, people will come out of the woodwork for Geeter. You I know think that. I, have, I have friends, a lot of them. Oh, no. You're right. Is there a Twitter war? <laughs> Okay, so Keenan shoulder allegedly hurt uh, in Manhattan Open. Let's see what Brad wrote. Ah, I'm Come on, Dan, this is your I chance, this is yeah, your chance to shine. Make it radio, baby. Brad wrote, Hans Stolf is also poor reporting, uh, or easy with the injury rumors. Ah, jeez. Uh, poor reporting, Hans Stolf is not at all like that, but I guess you are now on my list. Because Hans yeah. wrote, oh, what did he write? Where are we at? Where are Brooke we at? Billings is okay. Someone heard from him. Just got to saw the chat room. Oh, at Brad Keenan, Hans said, I mean, Brad was totally over it, yeah. the format blue, and he elected to go to Starbucks for a white mocha frap instead. My bad. Wow, this is really <laughs> excellent radio. <laughs> Thank Dan's you, Dan. Dan's having just a conversation by himself. Yeah. But I feel hey, like that's what was happening. He needs to- his own show, I think. I completely <laughs> tuned out. Millie's watching George, yeah. and Barney ignored you. And I'm trying to figure out who the heck's <laughs> in, the, uh, in the queue here. <laughs> it's a technical weekend here on the net live. Yeah. We've, been, we've had it real stable. Geeter, you weren't around for the early early oh, shows. But oh, we had like 600 goodness. live listeners last week, by the way. It, last week was big. 132 people in the chat room. Yeah, this week we have 85. Kind of disappointing. We do have a couple of callers. Or <laughs> We're losing our audience. Jeez. Last wow. week did nothing for us. They just <laughs> shut, it, shut it down. They were unhappy. We're going to find out who's in these queues because this is just part of the technology, how it works. Uh, 646, you're on the air with the Net Live. Six. Hi, guys. Nick. Nick Lewin. All right. Very good. Thank you for calling in. So we, we've been promoing this. We had an opportunity to speak with Nick Lewin, a managing partner in the AVP. Nick, welcome to the Net Live. Thanks very much for taking on the, uh, the task of being here. Uh, we wanted to start you out with this. Uh, when did you first took over the AVP tour? What kind of strategic plan did you have in place to make the tour self-sustaining? What were your ideas? Oh, um was mostly, uh, more than anything else, cutting costs. The dollars they were spending, they just didn't need to be spending. Okay. I guess that that sort of was apparent as things went on, as you reduced the tour to 12 events, and then you had some other cost-cutting measures going on. But 
I guess the other question then right away is when did you first know that RJSM was done writing checks to keep the AVP in business? When did I? Um, I would say that, I mean, you have to look at, that's kind of a difficult question because RJSM is essentially a company specifically for the purpose of funding um, AVP. That's the only thing it does, right? So... It's got a series of members that invested on day one and a series of members that invested later. And so we essentially had set up a financing that uh, fell apart, uh, that was essentially goes into RJ7 that fell apart into AVP, you know, probably last week of July, first week of August. Hey, Nick, it's Keeter. Was management working under the assumption that, that – that RJSM or, or you would, would, would underwrite the, the deficit? I think management was working under the assumption that, I mean, you got to remember, like, RJSM and ABP worked, you know, together, obviously, right? And so um, I think we were all working with the same goal, which is to get financing done. And I'm not even sure it was clear whether or not it would have come in through RJSM or whether it would have gone directly into the AVP. And, you know, we've been working on that since, you know, for six months easily, if not longer. And it literally fell apart in July. But we were certainly working under the assumption that, you know, money would come in, yeah. Well, tell us what the last week of negotiations looked like. We know that you pushed it off the date a few times, and we talked to Jason Hodell last week. He said it was basically 24 days to make $4 million up. Uh, And there were negotiations right up to the very end. What did that look like? Who was involved? What was on the table? Well, there, I think negotiations is strong is a strong word. We didn't actually, you know, we never turned down. Neither AVP nor RJSM ever turned down an offer. So I don't know if you could say there were negotiations. So there were never any solid offers to support the tour, no matter who you talked to. No one actually made an offer and said this is how we'd like it to be structured for our money in. That is correct. So when you pushed it off for a week, uh, was there anyone that was that was still kind of poking around or you guys were talking to? Were you pursuing them? Was anybody pursuing you? Who were some of the names involved? Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't – I think the people who were looking at it wouldn't appreciate me saying who they were. Um, but there were serious people looking at it all the way through. Um, just nobody actually pulled the trigger on it. Nick uh, – you know, there's a lot out there, and, and, and people are definitely talking about, about volleyball right now. And I think the, the, the big question that comes up is, is why was management told that RJSM was no longer to fund it uh, after the Hermosa Open? How come not earlier? And, and maybe you can clear that up for us. Yeah, I mean, I don't think that's exactly – that's not exactly how I would uh, describe it. Um, so, you know, we had essentially – you know, we talked to AVP and RJSM talked – either separate or together who every, to anybody who expressed interest. And this was – so we never turned down an offer. We never turned down somebody else coming in. We talked to absolutely everybody who looked at the business. So, I mean, we, we, it was canvassed pretty widely. And what happened was essentially come July 23rd, um, I, 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 guess we, I guess the way you have to look at it is this is what I said – you know, 30 days earlier or 45 days earlier, whatever it is, was I said the current 
our, the current members of our JSM aren't going to write a $6 million check. So it wasn't, you know, because we were always looking at, the idea was never RJSM was just going to keep writing checks until we got this thing profitable. The idea was we were going to bring more people into AVP or RJSM. And essentially by the end, that, it all, that, that just fell by the wayside. We couldn't get it done. So your, your job was to continue to bring in investors or bring in advertisers who would sustain the tour. When you started this season, did you already know that you were not in a position to fund the entire season that you had to continue to bring in money? Well, not exactly. So when we started the season, we thought we were going to have, you know, I don't know, a $3 million loss, a $2.5 million loss, a $4 million loss. We never dreamt that we were going to have a $6 million loss. And that's really where the delta was. Well, I guess in light of what has happened, what do you want to say to the players that, that really were assured by you at some of these tournaments uh, that things were going to continue and things were going to be okay, and now a lot of those players are simply out of work and there is no other option for their, their trade that they play? Yeah, well, it's not like we walked away from this thing entirely. I'm trying to figure it out. It's what I'm spending every hour of every day doing. Um, I don't think I haven't figured it out yet but we're certainly working on it. I'm talking to a lot of people. A lot of people are calling me, and we're trying to make it better. Nick, uh, you know, we were at the Manhattan Open this weekend, and, and a lot of people are talking about that there's people owed money out there. How do we what, – what happens with that, and, and, and who ends up paying these people? And, and if volleyball does come back, you know, how are we going to have the trust uh, uh, of the public again? Yeah, well, once again, it's going to – you know, I'm trying to – try, like I said, we're trying to make it right. Um, and so, you know, we have a list of everybody we owe money to. We know exactly who it is, and we're trying to figure it out. And if, by the way, if I had the answer today, I'd tell you what the answer is. I just don't have the answer today. But we're talking to an awful lot of people about trying to figure out how to make it better. What do you think the actual value of the AVP is today? No clue. No clue. But it's mostly in the brand. So you're not really sure what the plans are? Bankruptcy, selling it? Um, no, I mean, I have, look, I have, I have a pretty good idea of what the plans are. I just can't say. Well, Nick, you know, you're not giving us a ton of information about what's what's going on here. And it seems like when the final decision came down that uh, there were a lot of comments from a lot of different people around the volleyball world and surrounding this entity, and you just sort of disappeared uh, after being quite the vocal person and... and uh, promoter well, of the sport while you were there what why were there no comments from you when this whole thing fell apart to whom to i call me- a ton of people personally to the media I, to the world at large who was waiting for information i've talked to absolutely every media agency that's called me um i mean I mean, that's odd because I wasn't able to find a quote from you anywhere in searching AVP through Google. I saw quotes from Hodel and from they're USA no, Volleyball they're, and all kinds of other people, but I was un- unable they, to find any information from you. They are, they are certainly one of the LA Times. I've, I've talked to everybody who's called, actually. you got to remember, for a lot of this, too, right, this needed to be not about the ownership. This needed to be about uh, Jason Hodel and Mike Dodd's tour. And actually, I think if you probably look back, um, you probably can only find uh, one or two quotes from me from the very beginning when we did this. And outside of that, it's been, um, it's been, all, it's been all Jason and Mike Dodd as the spokesman for the sport. So how much were I you show, involved on a day-to-day I basis? Should, say it again? How much were you involved on in a day-to-day basis on the management and direction of this tour? Not very. I mean, I talk to Jason all the time. 
but in terms of the management, that you know, management is. I never overruled a decision. I never made a decision. Um, it's just not what I do. Well, Nick, where do you go from here, personally? Uh, I am debating. Um, I mean, I think they're probably skipping out whether or not AVP files for bankruptcy or doesn't file for bankruptcy. Um, I think the question is, you know, do we take another shot at this? And that's probably predicated on the players and whether or not the players want me to take another shot at it. Um, and it also depends on kind of who comes in. There's a lot of interest. I've got no doubt there will be a season next year. Um, I think probably there needs to be a total overhaul in the business. Uh, I don't think the business model – I'm not sure you can make the, this business model work in this environment. So, you know. So uh, if you're not sure what the plan is and you're not sure what's going on, what are you telling shareholders and the people that uh, put money into this through RJSM or otherwise? Uh, the shareholders – the shareholders are fine. I'm telling them the same thing, which is I'm figuring it out. I mean, look, you know, the, the question is this, is right. The question is, is for me personally, right, do I want to stay involved? And that's really a question probably of whether or not the players want me to stay involved. Um, and I can't answer that, obviously. Um, I got a feeling, but I can't answer it. And uh, then the second question is, how do we do it? Because... You know, doing a 12-tour stop doesn't make an awful lot of sense when you get 150,000 people in Hermosa and you get 10,000 people or 15,000 people in Atlanta or Cincinnati. Well, Nick, you know, we've, we just asked you about your involvement day-to-day, and, and our sources have indicated that, in fact, you were quite involved and, and mandated a purchase uh, with several things in the TV time and were intimately involved with this business. You're making it sound as though... Uh, your hands were not really no, in this. No, 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 no. There were there were things I absolutely was involved in, okay. but as a day-to-day business, I mean, I spend three months a year in L.A., maybe four months a year in L.A. Um, so I'm here a week, you know, a week here, a week there. Like, did, were the things I was involved in? Absolutely. You know, I was involved in the TV deal, but there, ninety percent of it, I was I was involved on stuff at a fifty thousand foot level. Like the day-to-day management stuff, and you know, nothing to do with it. You're listening to the NetLive here on and the Volvo Network.com. Jason's wonderful, had my full support, and I think he did an amazing job. You're listening to NetLive here on the Volleyball Network.com. We're talking to AVP managing owner Nick Lewin. Uh, we're going to take your calls here. Nick's agreed to take a few calls from listeners. If you'd like to call in, 347-677-1525. Now is the time to call in. But, uh, Geeter, you had one more thing? Yeah, you know, Nick, uh, we have a lot of players who, who listen to this show and stuff. I mean, like Brooke Niles and Lauren Fendrick are over, over in Europe li- listening to this show. This is kind of, I think, uh, maybe a chance for you to, if you had a message to the players, uh, what would it be? Because when this thing ended, it just ended. There's no, you know, there's no place for us to meet. There's no way for us to talk. There's no conference call. So, you know, what, what is your message to, you know, former employees like, like, my, like myself uh, and, 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 and AVP players out there? I, honestly, I'm trying, I am spending every day trying to figure it out, trying to make it better, and trying to cut the best deal to let the AVP move forward successfully. Are you disappointed in what happened, Nick? Absolutely. How long are you going to spend trying to make this better uh, before you personally move on? I mean, how much is it worth to you time-wise? Um, I, I, I just, I will, you know... I will spend as much time as it takes to try and make it better. I don't like walking away from stuff like this. Nick, what do you think about, uh, we were talking about this earlier, do you think there's a place for 
other tours, Corona Wide Open, AVP, can, can, is the community divided, or, or do you see that everyone can, can have a hand in this? I think the volleyball world is a pretty small place, and so I think fighting over essentially a small pie is idiotic. That said, I'm pretty sure there's only really going to be one pro tour, whether it's AVP or something else. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you know, I'm, you know, look, they're always going to be – a ton of tours. It's just uh, a ton of like you know, beach events. It's just a question of what it what it looks like. You mentioned that there's only space for one tour. Uh, is that why the decision to uh, to fight with the FIVB a little bit and, and cause some noise with uh, USAB no, 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 and stuff no, 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 like no. that? I'm not talking no? about globally. I'm talking about in the U.S. So you feel like the AVP and the FIVB are entities that could co- uh, coexist? Yeah, absolutely. What is it about those two tours that you think could, could benefit each other? Do you see the AVP coming back in conjunction with the FIVB? Can you, can you work that angle to work together? Um, you, you mean to do like an AVP-FIVB event? Yeah, something to help bring back the AVP in some form. Could you involve the FIVB in that? Um, I mean, I don't, I don't know that, bring, that the FI, bringing back the AVP requires the FIVB. Um, but I think that, you know, having an AVP, you know, we tried pretty hard to have an AVP FIVB event. Um, hold on one second, guys, okay? Oh, we're going on hold now? Hold on. We're going go to we're gonna go to somebody else. 917, you've been hanging out in the queue for a while. Who's there? What's up, guys? J.O. here. Jason Olive? Jason Olive. Jason What's up, Olive? J.O.? Jason, do you have a question for Nick Lewin since we have him here on the line when he comes back from leaving us on hold? Wow. No. Wow. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Uh, you know what, man? You know what? I'll, I'll probably pass and, and uh, talk to you guys after. I mean, I don't have, have too many questions. I, I, I have thoughts on it, but maybe they're not so pointed to Nick. It's, I think <laughs> that, you know, they tried to come in and, and do a pretty good job. But, you know, there's inherent problems, man, going all the way back to, you know, early, early mid-'90s. I caught caught wind of some of that stuff at my brief stint at possibly the top of the volleyball world, and it, it was ugly back then. All right, well, know, hey, and, and I, Jay, you know, we definitely have to so. get into it with you. Hang in there for just a couple more minutes. Hey, I'm yeah. back, by the way, guys. Awesome. All right, Nick, thanks for coming back. If you want to talk to Nick Lewin, if you have a question for him, 347-677-1525. We're talking about AVP ceasing operations a week ago Friday and uh, making the decision to cancel the rest of the season, and we're uh, – we're hearing from Nick as to what the plans are. He's the man in control. He he has all the volleyballs in his garage, we think. You know, Nick, uh, obviously hindsight's twenty twenty, and, and everyone's going to have their opinion. And, and you've been working on this uh, since it folded. Uh, you said, you know, thinking about it a- every minute. When, when you look back, what are some of the mistakes that were made that kind of led us to this point to cease operations midseason? You know, I, I thought a lot about that. Um... Look, we, got, we had a $6 billion loss this year, and I can tell you that, you know, there was a mistake here, the mistake there, and maybe it could have been three or maybe it could have been five. But, you know, we, there's not an awful lot there. At the end of the day, if you just think about this in a 2 years perspective, Jason Hodel comes in, all right, and just say roughly we got $27, $28 million in revenue and $27, $28 million in costs, and Jay cuts $11 million of costs out of the business, um, and b- despite the fact it's 12 versus 16 events, I think the events look better than they did before. And that is, in the business world, cutting, a, you know, whatever that is, 
of costs out of a business, that's an astronomical number. And I never dreamt. So when we did that, you know, when, J- when, when Jason was doing that, I never dreamt that this thing would, um, the, the sales would kind of turtle as much as they did. So, you know, Jay cuts $11 million out of, out of, the, out of the business. We lose seven and a half, eight million dollars within the first three months of being kind of owners of this thing, um, and you know our revenue went from twenty six, twenty seven, twenty eight million to eleven million. That's pretty tough to overcome, and that's a function of sales. And I'll tell you that, you know, while you know maybe we could have, and I'm certainly we could have done better at sales. We had an awful lot of people working. Um, towards getting the AVP to be successful in that, and it just didn't happen. I mean, it wasn't one sales agency or one person running sales at the AVP. You know, the media market absolutely turned around, and you're in a place where, you know, what were the TV deals we're doing, the way people are valuing, you know, customers per minute, um, makes it very difficult to sell the AVP. Nick, a lot of people have asked, uh, God, why couldn't we just do Chicago or, or, or in Manhattan and, and do our best events? What would that have taken? Is there a number? You mean? Yeah, j- to put on the, the last few events. What, what, what would it have taken to, to do that? What, what's the actual number? So I've heard $3 million, uh, or $2 million, or $6 I mean, million. Uh, Well, I mean, it depends on whether or not you wanted to pay people for past events, but figure a minimum of $4 million. So, Nick, with all the discussion about what's gone wrong and you're confident there's going to be a tour next year, what changes need to be put in place to make that happen? <laughs> Let me think about that. Um, I think the value – I mean, it depends on the, – the, I think that here's the question. The, the AVP's got a great brand, right? And the players need to make – I don't know what the total prize money number has to be um, for – Hold on one second, guys. What? Um, I don't know what the total prize money has to be for players to be able to make it uh, their professional life. So that's probably the first question to address. Um, I think the real question is, is whether or not you go to the players and you say, guys, we're going to make – you have to think about this kind of differently, which is – because, you know, every time you throw an event – I mean, the big, the, here's, the, the, here's, the big, here's the big kind of problem, right, which is what I alluded to earlier, which is you've got four or five events which are spectacular, Hermosa, Manhattan, Huntington, Chicago, and then you've got a whole bunch of events where, you know, the players may love it. They may say, wow, you know, it was packed, and Cincinnati is a perfect example, but how many people actually come to Cincinnati? Right? It's, you know, I, off the top of my head, I guess 20,000 people. Maybe it's 25,000 people. And that's really the problem is that, um, you know, the, when you take this thing off the beach, you have such small numbers that it doesn't make sense for the sponsors. And so I think that's fundamentally the question you have to address is how you do, how you turn AVP into more of a licensing slash brand operation. And and share that with everybody than, you know, saying we're going to have 12 or 15 or 20 or 25 events that are sparsely attended relative to what the sponsor, you know, what the, what the sponsors want to pay today per person on TV and pay per person on an interview. 
versus um, versus like how you can make money elsewhere, right? Nick, it's interesting to me that when I ask the question about changes that you, you say you have to think about it, and you said you're kind of a hands-off owner and only spending three months a year doing this. Um, if you're the guy who's got the money and the guy who's buying the tour and supposed to be setting the direction for the tour, uh, it seems like there'd be more of a cohesive plan in place. Well, I mean, first of all, I've got how many? I got a feeling that everybody who's thinking about doing a, comp- a competing tour is probably listening to this or will listen to this. So I don't exactly want to say, oh, here are the 10 things I'm going to do to fix it. Because, um, like, telling the competition what you're going to do if, if we go do it is probably not the best and brightest thing in the world. I've got a fairly good idea about how this thing needs to get fixed. Um, I think the bigger question for me is whether or not I'm the person to do it. So you have a list of 10 things or something close to that that you really think can affect change? I have a list of 100 things. Okay. And by the way, I can have a list of 100 things and still be a hands-off owner. you got to remember, I've got 20 other, 20 other companies going on in my life I have to deal with. The chances of me being a, a hands-on owner is slim to none. You're listening to NetLive here on the volleyballnetwork.com. We're talking to Nick Lewin. We have a caller in the queue who I hope is here to ask Nick a question. 310-457, you are on the air. Thanks for joining us. Kevin, hi. I think you're talking to me. This is Paul. Ah, Paul. Hang on just a moment, Paul. I was concerned about that. Hang on. Hey, Nick Lewin, thank you very much for joining us here on the show. Uh, Is there anything you wanted to leave us with here uh, about the future of the AVP and beach volleyball? Nope, but feel free to call any time. All right. Thank you for joining us, Nick Lewin. A good feel for uh, for Nick there. I want to make a quick, quick move over here to a couple people we have on the line. Uh, Paul, we will get to you in just one second. I want to talk to Jason Olive, who we talked to briefly there when Nick put us on hold. We'll get to talking about that in a second. Uh, but, uh, Jason, you're a guy who's been around the sport for a long time. You went from being a volleyball player at UH uh, to the entertainment career, and then you, you rejoined as a promoter. And one time, I guess you were involved with Volleyball Magazine the last time I met with you. Uh, but just give us your thoughts about the, the state of volleyball and what's happening at the moment. Yeah, hey guys, man. First of all, this is probably like the third time I listen to your show. I, I just think it's it's everything that's right and in, in, in what is it, what's going on in our sport right now. You know, yeah. this this is just incredible. This program you have put together. We'll um, we'll take and, your call uh, anytime then. As long as you start yeah, with that. I tell you, it's the only thing is I I, I do do hate you guys a little bit because I am the creative director of volleyball and you guys beat us to the punch by about three months um, <laughs> uh, with getting the word out. But we do have better pictures than you. <laughs> oh, for oh sure. my goodness! Pictures. There we go. Their pictures are great. Yeah, they have nice photos. Okay, so Jason, give us give us your thoughts on what's happening here, real quick, because we do have to get to Paul Sunderland, who we had it scheduled here on the show. Oh yeah, for sure. Well, well, man, you know, I think I think that the biggest thing that goes down with with what's happened with the AVP, and you know, this has happened two or three times before with the changeover, going back to to you know mid '90s when I was uh, looking at, at getting some sponsors, doing four man teams, because at that time I was playing at UH and a pretty high level and 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 I, and I was the marquee for brand for a couple of of big companies out there like Ralph Lauren and whatnot and 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 back then finding out what was going on financially and what what people were doing behind the scenes with the tour you just realized that they were they were the business deals were kind of cutting the legs out from under the tour um so I felt like you know I, I was actually running AVB cares for AVP recently, so I was all caught up on this. I will not be getting a last month's check like most people since I was a 
was doing it on like a 1099 basis. And so I've been dealing with the wrap up of all the accounting on our end. So I'm, I'm totally involved in everything that's going on. Um, but I felt that, that this crew, especially with Jason, is that they really cared about the sport. Um, and they did really have a, a pretty good roadmap. But you're, but part of the problem is you're dealing with so many failed relationships from the past. And just like volleyball is a small world, uh, the corporate brand world out there is a small world too. And I think the biggest thing that has happened with all this is, is just a lack of trust that those, those companies have in getting back on the tour. we got our JO event coming up. On, on the second, and, and, and we're seeing it now, talking to some of these very same people who, you know, some are, some are just so, so pissed off that they, you know, wrote checks the last week, and then the, and then the check was, I mean, you know, the check was cashed, and they aren't seeing that money back, and yeah. I think that, that um, you know, hopefully, in, in talking to Nick, and, you know, talking with Hodel with some stuff we've, we've been wrapping up, it does sound like that they're trying to clean it up. And I think that that's the, that's the best thing that they could do for the sport right now is just clean that situation up. And, you know, going forward, I think some serious thought has to be given of, of, of whether an ownership, this, this kind of ownership model for the AVP is the right model. I mean, is there, is there not a thought to doing it as more as a, of a 501c3 status? You know, get the players involved. Well, maybe it's not a C3, maybe it's a C9 or C11, but – you know, you can create a situation where the players are really involved, uh, where the sponsors are, are writing off their involvement. Um, so, you know, they're getting that value immediately right back from marketing, and, and that's, that's part of what we were trying to get done with AZ Cares, and I've seen that it works. Jason. You know, and, and, and the other thing is, is that getting the players involved, look, when you roll into an event, you should roll in there with a 120-person deep marketing team, meaning – Every single one of those players who are playing on tour should be marketing the crap out of their sport and what they're doing. And what I've seen in the last 10 years is a complete decline in that. Instead of getting better at that, instead of getting more refined in that, instead of there being classes and lessons of how guys handle the media or how guys get involved in their social network and building the sport from that real grassroots level of the players – you've actually seen like a decline in that. I think it's really hurt. Jason uh, Geeter here. Is it, is it fair that you not only are really good-looking, but that you're smart uh, and a talented photographer as well? <laughs> <laughs> the show's just been so serious. I had, to, I had to just throw that out there. Well, we go back a long way. We won't tell stories. <laughs> but, um, you know, man, I've just been through it. You know, I, 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 you know that period in, in, in college, I mean, it, it was insane, man, where, where I'm flying off working with, people who run the biggest brands in the world and then fly back and play, have to play against Todd Rogers, you know, Carter Reese, you know. So it was, it, was, it was super eye-opening to see, you know, how people build brands. And, you know, I was 19, 20 years old, seeing how people are building these brands, being involved in building those brands. And then, you know, at that time, either you know, like we went to college thinking you were going to come out and make a million dollars, and those were kind of the Billy Burger eras. The tour almost disappeared. You remember the DVA yep. came up shortly yeah. after, not yeah. too long after that. I mean, so we've been through this period before. The unfortunate thing is it sounds like it's for exactly, you know, the same reasons. Although, you know, it, 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 I look at this situation with, with, with what's going on with the tour like the economy. You, you, you can blame, you know, Obama all you want. Things haven't gotten that much better. But look at the hand that they were dealt. You know, if I yeah. look at you, you yeah. come in and you're buying something, it's $10 million in the hole. Well, 
you know, maybe some decisions should have been made. And I think, you know, from from what limited knowledge I have of, of what was going on, I think there's been some really good things that people have said. You know, I think it was you guys that said, like, hey, maybe this, maybe we do need to get back and, and start building our base at the regional level. Maybe buying the time on ESPN, especially if they're not including you in Sports Center, is not the right thing to do. You know, maybe you, you get back to, you know, doing it regionally, getting back to grassroots. I mean, I mean, me showing up in Huntington Beach, man, you know, I haven't been around the sport for a little while, been doing some other things and, you know, just doing my charity stuff and trying to grow the sport on that, you know, celebrity kind of level and bring those people in involved, that kind of little spice and with the magazine. But when I show up in Huntington Beach and there's not a single poster on any store on the complete boardwalk, that's a problem. Yeah, yeah. Hey, Jason. You know, it, it's a, it, Jason, there's we, not a sport, there's not an event out there that doesn't need a guerrilla market right now. We really appreciate you calling the show, Jason Olive. We know you're a smart guy. We've done a lot of different things with the sport, with business in general. We want you to call us back. Do me a favor, call us back next week or the week after, uh, and let's let's talk more about some of these topics and where volleyball needs to go from here. We appreciate your insight. Thanks for giving us Thanks a call. Thanks so much for your show, guys. Back. All right, Jason Olive. Later, Jay. Getting in on the show. I like that. All right, let's get to a gentleman who I think has seen perhaps more yep. volleyball uh, than, than almost anyone you could go to and talk to about this sport. Uh, this is a man who won a gold medal in 1984, was a professional player with the national team, and went on to become one of the two members of the first real broadcast team for volleyball, Marlowe and Sunderland, and my broadcast partner currently. Pleasure to work with a legend. Paul Sunderland, thanks for joining us here on the Net Live, and I'm, I'm sorry we delayed you after bumping you for four weeks in a row. <laughs> Well, I just uh, feel comfortable in my place, you know. I'm just waiting in line, and but in all seriousness, have been listening and uh, have enjoyed uh, what I've heard so far. Hey, Paul, it's uh, it's Geeter. I just wanted to say, hey, Chris. Uh, yeah, I just want to say thank you because you did the voiceovers for the uh, Manhattan Beach Dinner Champions, but you were unable to attend. I know, and I know you wanted to because Linda Hanley and Obradovich and Marto are, are good friends of yours. But it really yeah, made sure it, it it made the event in the voiceovers were awesome and classic, and, and I just want to say thank you for that. It, it really well, made, I, made the event. I know Tom Fear worked really hard on that, too. Yeah, he did. He did. And, and uh, sure, uh, most welcome, and I'm glad it added to what I'm, I'm uh, positive was a, a really great event, and it's the least I could have done. Uh, Linda, uh, Chris, and Steve are, are three of my favorite people, as you well know, in the world, and just uh, quality, quality people who have done so much for the sport, so it's the least I can do. Paul, you're a guy who's been around the sport for so long in so many different capacities and seen it. And I know recently in the last few years you've been away from it a little bit. So perhaps you sure. bring sort of a fresh perspective to what's happening. What was your reaction to learning that the AVP was going away? Well, my reaction, uh, because of the, the uh, context in which you phrased the question, which is absolutely right, my fondest memories, of course, of the AVP are standing room only crowds, Karch Kirai, Kent Steffes, Sinjin Smith, Randy Stoklos, Tim Hovland, Mike Dodd, Mike Whitmarsh, among many, many others, Ricky Ludes, John Hanley, Linda's wife, Linda's husband, I should say. So those are my fondest memories. Um, I did the AVP for many years up until and including you know, sort of the mid-90s, and uh, it was a marvelous experience, uh, just tremendous e events. But I also saw some problems starting to arise, some of which were touched on uh, by your previous caller. I think it was John Olive. And, um, you know, the AVP, um, like so many other uh, minor sports in the, in the country, 
uh, can't afford to make any mistakes. You cannot make one single mistake with television, with PR, with marketing, with your sponsors. And some, I saw some huge mistakes being made in the late 90s, and I'm not sure that the AVP was ever able to truly recover. And I think they tried to continue a uh, production and business model that was based on the revenues generated in the 90s, and those just never replicated themselves. Well, you mentioned the revenue that the sport has experienced uh, or has not experienced here in the United States, but yet worldwide, you do a lot of work with the FIVB now on their World League property uh, for them, and then also you and I broadcast it here, and we're broadcasting the Grand Prix now on the indoor side. You do FIVB and have done that on the for the beach side. Uh, what is the difference that the worldwide audience for volleyball is huge, and the FIVB is a hugely successful entity, what do you see there that perhaps needs to be ported over to the United States model? Well, I'm not sure that you can because volleyball generates numbers in countries outside the United States that won't be replicated inside the United States with respect to to, uh, television. I mean, for example, uh, I heard recently the, the rights fee figure that Television Globo, which is Brazil's largest uh, television station, yeah. pays to the FIVB uh, annually for the FIVB World Tour, the beach, for the World League, for the Grand Prix, for the World Championships, uh, both men and women this year. It's an astronomical number because uh, I'm not... Uh, 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 comfortable given out that number it was given yeah. to me in confidence but it's astronomical and because the the ratings for all of those events in brazil are off the charts as they are in most european countries both west and east and obviously as they are in most asian countries um, as much as we love the sport of volleyball be it the beach or indoors Uh, In in the overall context and sort of pantheon of American sport, overall spectrum, if you will, it it is a very, very small sport with respect to uh, television ratings and participation and spectatorship. And so, like I said, when you really get the ball rolling back in the 90s, much like the X Games and the Dew Tour do have now on the extreme sports side, you can't make a mistake. And I was there when the AVP alienated Miller Brewing Company and Jose Cuervo. I saw those two companies that had invested millions and millions and millions of dollars and were using beach volleyball as a cornerstone of uh, their summer marketing. I saw them walk away because they just became disenchanted with – the management at the time, the lack of support. Uh, John mentioned an interesting point. Uh, as the, when the players, when the AVP started out, um, all the players would go into every market and work their tails off to talk to people, to gin up excitement, come to the tournament, it's great, it's going to be fun. But, you know, sometimes when you're making a lot of money, you become complacent and you start to think of yourself um, outside uh, the position that your sport really represents. I mean, let's remember that the highest-paid volleyball player on the beach in the world makes much less than the worst NBA player in the league. 
I mean, let's remember that. It gives you kind of an idea of where our sport sits. And that's not a reflection on the quality of the sport. It's popular all over the globe. It's a reflection of the realities here in the United States. Sunday, you, Sorry for that long-winded it, response. Sunday, you, you came back last year and, and teamed up with Marlo once again, and, and I wanted to get your take on what were your thoughts last year when you were doing the Hermosa and the Chicago Opens? Were you thinking, hey, it's good to be back, the sport looks like it's fine, or, or did you see some problems then? I didn't. I didn't, Chris, because as you pointed out, and, and quite rightly, Chris and I just kind of dropped in for a couple of tournaments, and they were big tournaments that would be well attended, yep. irrespective of of the situation, and Phil and Todd were a big draw. Kerry uh, was making a comeback with Rachel, yep. uh, albeit with not Misty, so there were some other stories that caused some great interest. No, I, I you know, and, and I'm pulling for the sport, you know, so I'm seeing it through rose-colored glasses, and uh, just my brief exposure last year, I think Chris and I did three tournaments, New York, Chicago, and Hermosa. I, I didn't sense any difficulty then, but I wasn't looking behind the curtain because I was just yeah. kind of dropping out of the other things I was doing and dropping in and having some fun, and, and it was great to come back and, and cover the sport on a couple of occasions. Paul, you mentioned some of the other things that you're doing. Uh, give us an idea. Some of those viewer, listeners out there are wondering what it is that you do. You do a little bit of volleyball, but you've pushed out Spend into a lot of other Spend too much time with you, Barnett. <laughs> How do you do it? Continue. How do you do it, Paul? <laughs> How do I do it? No, Kevin and I, are, are we finished the World League. Uh, that kept us busy for a period of time. We did the finals. Disappointing performance for the men. Um, I was kind of thinking about that before I called. Uh, you, you and Kevin and, and some other guests I'm sure have already talked about that with some injuries. And so anyway, World League, Grand Prix, uh, I do a lot of track and field during the summer for Universal Sports and NBC. We just did a big meet yesterday from Zurich, another meet coming up this week from Brussels. Um, of course, during basketball season, I work with Chris again. I do the play-by-play -play, uh on USC basketball, or most of their games anyway, and Chris is there, and uh, enjoy Very that. Fun. And so, a lot of basketball, but uh, you know, truth be known, and, and you know, you guys are good friends, and I'm sure there are a lot of good friends listening. You know, I uh, I really sorely miss doing the NBA, and I did it for 10 years on NBC before I was hired by the Lakers. Would love to get back into doing the NBA, but you know, maybe that ship has sailed and that's just uh, the way it goes, but I do love doing college basketball, I do about 30 or 40 college basketball games, uh, do a lot of winter sports for Universal and NBC, so it sounds like a lot. Um, there were periods of time when I was doing 250 events a year, and now I'm doing, you know, a hundred and a quarter, hundred and a half, something like that, and uh, I don't know if you can hear the hammering, but I'm having my kitchen redone and some other remodeling. So I've got to keep working to pay for all this stuff like everybody else. Hey, Sunday, you still playing a lot of tennis? Not a lot of tennis. I'm Lots playing a lot golf. of golf with my oh, son. Oh, really? Lots of golf. Yeah, yeah. My son has become quite the golf addict. He was a college tennis player at the University yeah. of Virginia. Yep. But unfortunately, he inherited my bad back. So tennis and, and uh, bad backs don't work out too well golf's a great golf job is just easier on his back and so yeah. we're playing a lot but there's a lot more to talk about about the avp so let's let's dive in you know i if, if i may offer up i i, I, I like how you just take love control. you <laughs> so great you know i like Taking it it's the net live with paul sunderland now i like that no keep going keep going well i i think i was listening to nick lewin yes 
uh, when I, I first think I was listening in. to him too, but at I wasn't sure. At my appointed time of eleven o'clock, I don't know who your program manager is, but your schedules are a little shaky. <laughs> you blame it on Reed. You can talk to him <laughs> on okay. Wednesday. Anyway, 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 you know I'm just joking, and so does everybody else. But but Nick mentioned you know Chicago, Hermosa, Huntington, um, and, and maybe one other site. Um, I don't have a crystal ball, and I don't have any line into the FIVB. Uh, because I, I think there will be a tour next year in the United States. I think it will consist of three or four tournaments, and I think it will be run by the FIVB. Do you think that that's a tour, three or four tournaments? Does that qualify as a tour? No, no. By definition, and great question, Kevin, and that was a, a misnomer on my part, but um, I think that's what next year will hold, and I think that the FIVB will replace some of its weaker uh, see, they all have individual promoters, so they're they're not on the hook for a great deal with respect to financial risk on the world tour. I think that they will come to the United States with three or four tournaments next year, and they'll come to Hermosa and or Manhattan, um, Chicago, maybe in the New York market, maybe in the Florida market. That would be my guess because they are just loaded with money, and uh, I don't see any reason why they wouldn't just come in and say, you know, all right, the AVP. How, how, Chris, how many tournaments were scheduled this year? Twelve. Twelve. Um, so we'll do four uh, in the United States next year as part of our overall world tour. Paul, do you think? I think it's almost the, the best yeah. the players can hope for. Do you think it's really a viable sport professionally, or will it just go back to being a hobby and being something that, that people play for fun and sort of extra income on the weekends? No, it's a viable sport professionally, but I'm just not sure it is at this stage in the United States. Todd and Phil are making a nice living overseas. They just won again for, what, the ninth time? Ninth out of 12. They're making a nice living. So, But the unfortunate thing about the FIVB World Tour is, of course, the country quota, and it will really limit the number of teams, as it already does. Um, but, you know, that's just sort of playing the way the rest of the world does. Uh, Brazil uh, is very fortunate, one, because they're in the Southern Hemisphere. So during the World Tours summer season in the rest of the world, in their summer in the Southern Hemisphere, they can have their own domestic tour. Right. But it's very yeah. small. But Brazil is the only country fortunate enough to fall into that category. I mean, do, if you're asking me today, do I think that there will be uh, a pro beach volleyball tour uh, you know, run by the AVP or another group next year. I certainly hope so, but I, I, I don't. I, I'm, I'm just being realistic. I don't think so. Hey, Paul. Well, uh, there's a lot of debate going on about the, the old court, old school rules that happened this weekend in Manhattan Beach, uh, and, and it was fun to, to, to see it again because a real point means so much in that game. You can side out for hours. What is your take on, on the big court and the smaller court? Well, of course, I grew up on the bigger court, and um, you know that was that form of the game. But everything has evolved. Um, I, I thought it was interesting and and kind of uh, clever uh, marketing, if you will. If that was their objective, maybe their objectives were totally pure. They being the people who ran Manhattan this week, but um, the the game can't go back. It, it could go back to the old court, but it can't go back to side out scoring and be a viable sport on television. Can't be done. It's well, hard enough to get the game on TV as it is. Yeah. 
you can't have side. I went through that whole business of playing to 11 and playing to 10 and, you know, then the clock. Double and, finals. and You know, I went yeah. through all of that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it seems like that the, uh, you know, the, the scoring system that's in place now is the best alternative, um, you know, for the, for the sport and uh, for its viability on television. Because if the sport's not on television, uh, why would anybody sponsor it? That's what I fight with Dan about all the time. Thank you, Paul, for jumping on my side. Paul, should I just apologize now for taking the baton from you and Big Cy uh, and doing network television? Why would and, and you running, have to and, apologize? And running the I tour, no, running the tour into the ground. I know, but I but I, I ruined mean, it. I couldn't even oh, make ahead. it through. A, I couldn't even make it through a season, Paul. So That's I must right. apologize to all the great broadcasters that I took the baton. <laughs> we and haven't fumbled talked about that. Yeah. Actually, the person that I made it most is you. Season. Yeah, Big Marlo, yeah. uh, Big Cy ragged me on stage the other day about that, and uh, it was one of the great heckles of all time. But blaming you, blaming <laughs> you for the demise. No, of he's the like, ABP. he's like, you know, stay up there. There might be some again. truth in yeah. that. <laughs> no, he was funny. He was like, you know, I had it for 19 years, and I gave it to Geeter, and uh, he couldn't last two thirds of the season. It was pretty funny. It, it was interesting. <laughs> you know, I remember when the AVP was publicly having a lot of problems in the late. 90s, and people would ask me, said, geez, Paul, did you see this coming? I mean, man, what a smart move. And I said, guys, gals, whoever was asking, you're, you're giving me way too much credit. I mean, I, I, you know, I, I loved every minute of traipsing around the country and covering all those unbelievable matches in the early days, and there were so many uh, really memorable uh, events. Uh, throughout the course of those early years. I guess I started in 86 and went through for about 10 years. But, you know, the only reason I stopped doing the AVP when I did is because NBC offered me the NBA. And so, you know, I was doing the NBA, uh, and that took me through the conference semis in May. And so I would miss the first five or six tournaments, and then NBC had the contract with the NBA, obviously, in those days. And then they asked me to do the WNBA, and I was doing the Dodger pregame show and all of that other stuff. So, well, Geeter is on the Paul Sunderland. of moving on to the second phase of my career, and Chris has done the same thing. Well, yeah. Chris McGee is on his way on the Paul Sunderland road to success. We yeah, can hope I'm trying to be. I'm trying trying to be. I, I can, I can, uh, I can tell you where the landmines are. Yeah, I'm trying, Paul. You know that, Paul. Uh, one last question: Where's your gold medal sure. these days? Uh, I'm looking at it. Excellent. Um, that is interesting. So awesome. Yeah, sleeps, just a quick question. As long as you're not wearing it. As long as you're not wearing it at the moment. Yeah. No, no, I'm not. I'm not wearing it, Kevin. Um, <laughs> after the Olympics in '84, um, uh, you know, along with receiving your medal, uh, at least in '84, they gave us this beautiful velvet box with an inlay in it in which to hold the medal. And so I put my medal in the box and put it in my nightstand, and it stayed there. Uh, for years and years, my kids would get it out, uh, as I recall, these many years ago, because my kids are grown now, uh, you know, for show and tell or something like that. And then for my 45th birthday, uh, unbeknownst to me, my wife had it uh, mounted and framed. And so it, it, sits, I'm, it sits cool. in my office. Excellent. Well, Paul Sunderland yeah. is, a, is a legend of the sport, a gold medalist, and a man who has been on the air and uh, certainly been around volleyball more than any of us. Paul, we appreciate you taking the time out of your schedule to be here, and I look forward to working again with you coming up yeah. Wednesday. Thanks, Paul. Yeah, we'll see you Wednesday. Chris, uh, good to see you, and uh, best to my, my many old friends uh, that I don't get to see as often Absolutely. as I would like. Absolutely, and uh, hopefully awesome. I'll see you during hoop season, partner. Yeah, All you right. got it. Looking forward to it. Thank you, Paul. All right, take care, guys. All right, Paul Sunderland.
Good conversation with Paul. You can always count on him for an opinion. I love that about yeah, Paul. I get he's, to uh, do the SC games with him. I do the sideline. He's play-by-play. It's, it's a lot of fun. Hey, we've got to take a break here in just a moment before we get to the College Volleyball Weekly in partnership with the ABCA coming up just a moment. But I want to talk to 410. 410, you're on the air. You've been hanging out in the, in the queue for quite a while. Give us your name where you're calling from. It's Eric, Kevin. Eric, you're always in the queue. I appreciate that about you. What do you have today? Well, I, I've wondered two things from the group you got there is do you see an AVP like tour coming back to the East Coast next year? Okay. And then secondly, uh, Sunday's off. I wanted to just tell him I always loved his uh, broadcasting on the AVP. And I wanted to ask him uh, what the situation was with Prime Ticket and whether they paid the AVP for broadcast rights or how that whole thing worked. Okay. Well, very good, and uh, we will definitely send your love out to Sunderland. I'll tell him on Wednesday, and uh, we appreciate you bringing those topics to us right now. Chris, you got an opinion? I was just going to say KCAL, I mean, not KCAL, KTLA Channel 5 was going to pay the AVP this year for the yeah. for the broadcast, and I believe that was maybe the first time. You know, it's always First been, time in a long time. Yeah, you know, it's always been the AVP paying a, paying a pretty big number to, uh, you know, be on NBC and the ABCs. All that stuff costs a lot of money. We're not the sport that uh, that they pay, so... All right. Well, I tell you what, we still have reaction. We've been kind of going from guest to guest here. I want to talk about Nick Lewin uh, after the College Volleyball Weekly. We're going to have a little talk about what just went down with him on the phone here and some of the information that he gave us. But I want to take a quick break, give us a little chance here to eat some food. I know scones came up. I saw people eating those. Hot scones out of the oven. I've already got Thanks to the wife. Yeah. Are there any your, leftover on the plate Your wife there, is awesome, by she's the way. She's killing it. She's home for the day, yeah. and she's making us food. I mean, you careered. Yeah, I think that's great. <laughs> I careered. That's true. That's true. Who else would let me just stay home and goof around while uh Oh you're while not she worked? You're not goofing around on Mondays, Barney. We're doing some serious work. That's yeah. right, that's right. All right, then at live, we'll see you in just a moment. Hey the gym? Well, we do too. CrossFit South Bay is an elite strength and conditioning facility with a no gimmick approach to fitness. The CrossFit program will have you running, jumping, lifting, climbing, and moving in dynamic and powerful ways. There are no machines, ellipticals, TVs, or mirrors. We train everyone from professional and collegiate athletes to soccer moms and retired teachers. With an average class size of 10, you get personal coaching and training. We sweat together, get fit together, and have a darn good time doing it. From beginners to weekend warriors to professional athletes, CrossFit South Bay is for anyone wanting to be in the best shape of their life. Visit us online at www.crossfitsouthbay.com and mention the net live for your 15% discount on any of our membership packages.
All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Net Live here on the volleyballnetwork.com. We appreciate you being here. It's been a busy day, a very, very busy day, trying to cover a lot of territory in a short amount of time here on the program. We started out talking to Aaron Walkfogel, the uh, Manhattan Beach Open champion, uh, this past weekend, taking down the title. And then we had uh, AVP owner, I guess it's still the owner, he owns the thing, Nick Lewin here on the show. And uh, we definitely want your reaction from that. We're going to get to that after the College Volleyball Weekly here on the show. And we talked to Paul Sunderland, uh, current announcer and uh, AVP legend. Uh, AVP legend for his announcing, USA Volleyball legend for his playing back in 84. So a lot of good stuff here. We had Jason Olive call in, and I really appreciate the reaction of the volleyball community, everybody getting behind the show and really getting in on here. And it's been awesome, and I want people to keep doing it. Uh, when you're in the queue, hey, we, we can't necessarily get to you every time, but do call back. If we don't get to you because we're in the middle of something, do call back. When you have an opportunity, we're going to have an opportunity for callers here just shortly. But we want to let you know that in partnership with the American Volleyball Coaches Association, the Net Live is going to bring you the College Volleyball Weekly, a segment during our show throughout the entire women's collegiate season. Uh, today we're going to be joined by Holly McPeak. She's going to talk about the Pac-10, and we have her on the line right now. I know Holly talked to us last week about different stuff, or two weeks ago perhaps. Holly, thanks for being back on the show. Thanks for having me. Hi, Holly. I missed the earlier segment. Did I miss something good? Uh, you missed Nick Lewin being Nick Lewin. You might want to go back and listen oh, to that. Okay. So or or maybe you'll just get good. too angry. You might want to do it while you're working out because you'll get a really good workout, just the anger flowing okay. through your body. But uh, we wanted to start first with the Pac-10. We're not going to hem you in with your knowledge and, and breadth of the sport. We're not going to hem you into just the Pac-10. But I wanted to kick off with that uh, for the, the College Volleyball Weekly and just say, hey, who are the teams to watch this year? Well, starting with the Pac-10, Stanford was picked to repeat as the champions. They've won the last four years. Um, they, they have three solid returning starters. Basically, Alex Kleinman, one of the best outside hitters in the country, Cassidy Lickman has doubled at setter and outside hitter. I'd love to see them put her at a full-time outside hitter where she's getting more touches on the ball. And if Carissa Cook from Santa Cruz, if her back is healthy, putting her at setter full-time. And then you've got All-American Libero Gabriels from Nebraska. They've also some great freshmen coming in. So Stanford definitely looks to be the leader in the yeah. Pac-10. Well, um, talk about some other teams then. Go ahead. Oh, good. Talk about some of the other teams that are up there. Okay. Well, uh, you know, according to the Pac-10 coaches, they voted USC to finish second, which is a little surprising because Washington's been battling every year for that title. And Washington <clears throat> has actually returned four starters. And I think they're in a good position. They've got Jenna Haglin returning at setter. They've got Becky Perry and Kinda Carlson, both go-to hitters. And Bianca Rowland, who's an undersized middle, but it's a super high percentage. Um, they did lose Ariel Salvo, Jill Collimore, and Jessica Swarbrick. So they're losing a little bit in the passing area, but I think they're experienced and they've done some good jobs recruiting. I think they're going to be solid as well. Holly, uh, um, but, go ahead. I was just going to say about USC, uh, have you heard word about how Fallon's doing? I mean, that was a big thing that she chose USC, and if she was going to end up you know, making it there, and she ended up doing that. She, she did her schoolwork and got in, but how's that going with her over there? Well, it's funny that you asked. I did some research. I wasn't able to talk to anybody, but I saw Mick Haley talk about how the preseason was going, and he did not mention her name, which I thought was really interesting. So I, I'm not sure, but I think she's an impact player. I think if you have Fallon, Sonoma, Moana, and Alex Jupiter on the outside, you can even put Fallon on the right side. Uh, 
Kendall Bateman returning at setter. Nick Haley was very high on her, said she's delivering a really good ball. Uh, their middles are, are much improved and more experienced now, Lauren Williams and Zoe Garrett. Um, I've, they've locked Kimmy Rolliter out for the season, and she's one of the main passers, but they've got about four or five great DSs, great libero candidates that will probably come in and step into that passing role. Holly, we talked last year on the show as playoff time came around about the respect that the Pac-10 got and teams were getting in with really just, it appeared to us, ugly records from the outside looking in. Do you think the Pac-10 gets too much respect or just enough when it comes to tournament seeding time? Well, it's interesting. I think last year was a down year for the Pac-10. So everybody beat up everybody, but it's still a very high level from top to bottom. Um, So... Prior to last year, I think we were getting the amount of teams that we needed into the tournament. Last year, uh, they were generous because of previous seasons, but I think this year we're going to be pretty solid as well. I I mean, there's eight teams that can do damage in the Pac-10 and two, you know, trying to establish themselves and and get into that top group as well. Holly, how do you think, uh, you know, Mike Seeley and Joy Furbringer and Dan Connors over there are going to do at UCLA, and and, and what do you expect from uh, the Bruins this year? I know they were pick to finish seventh, I believe. Yeah, I think I think people are underestimating the Bruins. I think they've got a lot of talent. They've got they're, they're a lot of firepower. You know, their question is setting. Um, they've got a transfer coming in and a young freshman setter that are going to battle for the spot. That is going to be their big question mark. Their go-to hitter transferred last year, so they've got to fill some, fill some spots, but they've got the size, and I think they've got the depth the depth, the addition of Kelly Reeves, um, just ball control-wise, I think is going to be really good for them. She can play either side. Rachel Kidder, who at 6'3", can fill in opposite. Um, you've got Katie Camp and Sarah Sage, both 6'4", who can play either right side or middle. So it's just going to take them a little time to find you know, their groove with their new setter, but I think they're going to surprise people. I don't think they're going to finish that low in the Pac-10. What about Dave Rubio's uh, Arizona squad? Uh, they had a pretty good year last year. I know that. They did. Um, you know, Arizona has been threatening, and they're big. They're big and solid, and I think this could be a year where they where they make some noise and, and start to upset some teams uh, more regularly. So, I, you know, I, that's the great thing about the Pac-10. There's so many great teams with great talent. It's who gets it together and, and is ready to go by season. We're here listening to the Net Live here on the volleyballnetwork.com. We're in the middle of our College Volleyball Weekly segment, a new segment here on the Net Live, along with the American Volleyball Coaches Association. We're talking to our Pac-10 correspondent and volleyball legend, Holly McPeak. Holly, give us your games to watch coming up uh, as the season gets started. What are the exciting early season matchups? Well, to be honest, what I did most, uh, most of my research was just on teams and who they've lost. So I, I didn't look at their early schedules. To me, preseason, they're just trying out new lineups, giving people chances to prove themselves. It's not that important, uh, in, in my opinion. So what I looked at is the, the top three teams in the country. And Penn State, number one, I think they deserve to be ranked there, but they lost some big players on their team. Alicia Glass, the Sal American setter, Megan Hodges, uh, carried a huge load for them. So I, I think they deserve to start in the top spot. Um, but, you know, Nebraska's tough. Nebraska's got a lot of depth, a lot of size. 
They've got two big lefties, 6'5", yeah, and they're going to try and use the two-setter offense. So they're, they're going to throw Lauren Cook, the coach's daughter, into the mix with All-American Sydney Anderson. So you've got great setters coming out of the back row, two big 6'5 lefties on the right side shutting down the outside attack for most teams. I think they're going to be a tough team. Well, very good. And then for Texas, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Holly. Okay, and then for Texas, uh, you know, they're ranked third in the country. I think they've uh, got a lot to prove. They lost Destiny Hooker, Ashley Engel, and unfortunately they just lost Bailey Webster, who really had a lot of promise, had some good size, some good physicality uh, on the outside to a knee injury. So she's out for the season, but they've got Fawcett back. They've got their setter back, and they've got Doris and Adams in the middle. Um, I think Jared Elliott does such a great job recruiting and coaching that I think they're going to be battling all season, but it might take them a little longer to get where they want to go. Holly, uh, switching gears, uh, the AVP closing their doors two Fridays ago. When you got that word, uh, I'm just trying to ask this the right way, but what were your initial thoughts on that? Uh, well, it breaks my heart, to, especially, you know, to stop in the middle of the season with five major events remaining. Uh, I personally was coaching Carrie Waltz to come back after her pregnancy, and she was ready to go the following weekend after they closed doors. So for me, that was really disappointing. She's obviously one of the headliners of the sport, playing fantastic volleyball. I, I just feel like if they could have done whatever they could have done, yeah. Uh, if Nick Lewin could have stepped up and, and finished the season and then tried to reassess and get some more money or do whatever he's doing, um, I think it would have been a better move. Did you did you see it coming, Holly? I know there's always rumors out there and people talk about it. And did you did you think that that, that this was a reality that it might happen? Um, to be honest with you, I, I thought prior to the season they were going to be in trouble. They did not have a title sponsor. Um, thank goodness for leverage agency and Ben Sterner. He came in with Nivea and, and basically saved the day, but that was last minute. And AVP undersold a lot of sponsorships, and, and they weren't selling. And in this economy, I know it's tough, but you have to sell sponsorships to make it go. And they, But they still had a full schedule. They started a Young Guns tour. They had all these qualifier tours. I mean, they bit off more than they could chew. And so, yes, prior to the season, I, I thought there were going to be problems. Do you think there will be beach volleyball in the United States next year? And if so, yes, at I what do. level? At what level? I think it's going to be in a whole different form, and I think it's time for it to be in a whole different form because um, whatever has been happening lately needs to work. Uh, it hasn't been working. So I, I think USAV is going to step in and run some events. I think... Uh, promoters, there's a lot of promoters who want to run events, and I think that could be a possibility. As far as the AVP goes, I don't know. I just think new management, new ownership there would be great, um, so we could take it in a new direction. Um, but, you know, if it doesn't happen for the AVP, I think uh, maybe a promoter model where promoters are promoting different events on all over the country, and they get all the rights, including TV including sponsors, and the AVP becomes, or the players group becomes more of uh, an association that deals with the promoters. Well, that's, Holly, that's what I'm envisioning. I'm not sure. That's, I just think things have to change, and, and maybe that will work. 
Holly, thank you so much for joining us here on the Net Live. We'll look forward to talking to you throughout the season and hearing more of your your knowledge about what's currently happening and also in reference to the, the knowledge that you have from having been around this sport for so long. Well, in, in, in terms of matchups, I'll have a better idea. I mean, preseason, for me, everyone's trying different stuff out. People are hurt. People are working into their game. I'll have a better um, handle on the matchups next time we talk. Hey, we all work in broadcasting. We know how it goes. Go down to the last okay, few days. Good. you got to you know, get it all together and look at the old matchups. And we really appreciate the information that you brought us today. Great stuff. Yeah, you're the best, Holly. And we want to have you on again shortly. Thanks, you guys. Cool. Have a great week. Thanks, Holly. Bye-bye. All right. All right, Holly McPeak here on the Net Live. She could always come on, and I'd be fine with it. Yeah, she's going to come on, I think, nearly every week, as long as I can get her. I'm going to call her during the week and make sure that she comes on as often as possible, as often as she can, because she's really got some good information. You hear all the knowledge of the different players inside the Pac-10. That's great stuff. And I know Beach is, is, is a hot topic right now because of what's gone on with the AVP, and we just got done with the Manhattan Open and the uncertainty of it. But women's volleyball is right around the corner, and, uh, and you and I both love that, that sport and think it's, it's really at, at an all-time high in terms of level. Absolutely. After the finals last year, the way that that played, anyone, even just a casual fan who tuned into that because I heard about this big matchup of two Titans in Texas and Penn State, it lived up to that hype. It lived up to that expectation. If you watched it, it was awesome. And yeah, the sport is on its way up, I think, as far as viewership and interest, and we're going to try and service it better here on the show. We have had the AVP suck up a lot of, a lot of the air uh, around the sport, but that's the way it goes when you have the one professional league that exists in the United States absolutely go defunct, and no one knew that that was going to happen. So we're going to take a quick break. We're going to be right back. We still need to talk about Nick Lewin. I want you to call in. If you have an opinion on what Nick Lewin did on this show today, 347-677-1525, call in and get on the show. I want to hear from you. We'll be right back here on the Net Live.
right, welcome back into the Volleyball Network and the Net Live here from the Redondo Beach home court. It's myself, Kevin Barnett, and Chris McGee. We've lost Dan Madden. He actually did have to go to work, so he has uh, vacated the premises. Millie's still here watching George. You want to watch more George, Millie? Playing with your computer more than anything over there, (laughs) it looks like. (laughs) We've had an interesting show so far, just a jam-packed show. And for those of you listening, went through a couple technical things. We appreciate you hanging in there, but... We've gone from Aaron Walkfogel, Manhattan Beach Open winner, to Nick Lewin, on to uh, Jason Olive, who called in, who's been a man who's been in touch with the sport for a very, very long time on so many different levels. And then we moved right on to the College Volleyball Weekly. Uh, we had Paul Sunderland here in the program, uh, of course, the legendary figure in the sport. So we've had a lot of different action happening here, a lot of talk still about beach, and as we said, we'll get back to a lot more indoor. Oh, hello, Millie. Thanks for joining the show. Reed's Re- not going to like that, by the way. Yeah, he's going to get upset. Yeah. Sorry, Reed. He's mad that we put Millie on. Millie, you want to talk? Tell us about George. <laughs> Back into your lap. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, listen, we've had contribution in the last few weeks from Ace Ferdinand over at uh, Ace, Aces over at uh, Hollywood, or Volleywood, pardon me, on Facebook. You can check him out, Volleywood at Facebook. And he's been giving us a jet ride, and we have another addition to that. Lots of good information about overseas and what's happening with uh, the sport. So here it is. Welcome aboard. Welcome to the Bali Jet Ride. Please fasten your seatbelts as we make our first stop to the United States of America. Alicia Glass and Stacey Sikora will be heading to Brazil for the 2010-2011 club season. They will be playing for Bali Pichiro together with Brazilian superstars, Paul Piquino and Fabiana Clovino. All-star rumor has it, Nicole Fawcett and Feluca Akinradio might head to Brazil as well. On the other hand, Pretty Satter, Natalie Spicer, will be heading to Poland. Next up is Puerto Rico. Guilty is the verdict. Gregory Burillas Celebero has been suspended by the FIBB for three months since July 13th of 010 for doping. The test was done at the American Cup a few months ago. Message to all the players. Please be very careful with what you take. The FIBB will surely get you. Third stop is Brazil. Coach Resende has made up his mind, and he will not be taking has-been superstar setter Ricardo to the World Championships. Instead, he will be taking his favorite setter, also known as his son, Bruno, together with Marlon. Also, such a sad news, Sergio Libera will not be at the World Championships. Such a sad news due to a back injury. Next stop is Poland. Poland lost to Brazil in four games and failed to win the 2010 Hubert Wagner Memorial Tournament. Also, our favorite Brazilian player, Andrei Murillo, picked up his second MVP award this year. Next stop is Russia. Welcome back, welcome back, Lubov Sokolova. The Russian superstar has rejoined the team to train for the World Championships. And finally, we're in Asia, Singapore. Well, Fredo Leon is actually playing in the first ever Youth Olympic Games for Cuba. My goodness, it's going to be smashing balls in front of these kids. On the other hand, we wish all the players the best. Well, that's it, folks. Hope you enjoy the ride. This is Ace for the Jet Ride. Until then, back to the studio. All right, Ace with the Volley Jet Ride. Thank you, Ace. I love the information there. It's, it's good quality information from the international game you just can't get anywhere else. Ace called me Peter. Yeah. <laughs> Peter McGee, that's you, Peter McGee. Hey, we do have a few callers in the queue. I like it. 949, you're on the air. Welcome to NetLife. 
Uh, is it is it me nine four nine? This is Jay. What's going on, guys? Jay, you know I figured it was you. We're gonna get your number written down here eventually, and we're gonna know that it's you. Jay, what do you got for us? We're talking about we're talking about Nick Lewin mostly, uh, right? You, you know, I'm, I'm going to touch a couple of subjects. First and foremost, uh, Heater McGee. Uh, how many names are we going to get for you before the end of this thing? Heater I, McGee, excited. Heater the, McGee, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, two, how was the concert last night? Oh, I went to John Mayer last night. And I don't mean John Mayer, the volleyball player. I went to actual John Mayer at the Hollywood Bowl last evening. It was spectacular. It was a lot of fun. Well, you know what? The highlight of it was his attitude between songs and stuff that he was talking about was really funny. And then hearing him do some other tunes he did uh, bittersweet symphony by the verve uh, he did a led zeppelin tune he did i forget another one later in the show but it was really really neat to hear one artist do some other artist's work you know how fun it was right. barney's wife took the day off and made us homemade scones <laughs> oh god the scone thing is killing me i love scones. it was that much fun. i'm just right, glad she the, stopped playing with the, the ipad that i bought her for her birthday it's long enough to make us food that's the best part all right jay hosick jay hosick yes you just got married so congratulations on that congratulations jay well, I'm, yes, thank you very much. It was uh, uh, it was a good time had by all, and uh, definitely definitely stoked. I'm uh, uh, happy to be uh, wed to my wife. Um, to the real topic. Yes, sir. Uh, I, I just I I have no venture, no vested interest in the AVP. Meaning, I'm I'm not a financial partner. Obviously, I don't have anybody playing on the AVP that I know. But I can tell you this: if the guy doesn't even have the ability to have a conversation. Uh, you know, and be able to give some kind of real ideas rather than constantly skirting around these questions that you're giving them. And, was, and let's be honest, you guys weren't throwing them necessarily the hardest questions. You were just looking for some basic answers. And this guy acted like you were nothing to him. And, you know, he's, he's interested in getting some future sponsors. Anybody who listens to that guy talk, nobody's going to want to be involved with him. He's got 100 future ideas. And you know that? He's got 100 ideas for the, the thing coming up, but he can't share even one of them with us here on the program. He can't think of one right off the top of his head. It is unbelievable to me, and the, and the attitude that he treated you guys with, and, and really, it's not like you were asking the world of him. You were just trying to get some kind of feedback as to what happened. And the guy, you know, it acted like he had 14 other things going on, which I guess apparently he does. He says he has 20 other companies that he has yeah. Uh, yeah. running at the same time. So, you know, anyways, that's my two cents. Uh, keep up the good work, guys. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Jake. Yeah, you know, Jay brings up a good point about that. Like, I've never been put on hold by anybody, first of all. I wonder who called. It better have been like the mayor of New York or somebody, or uh, Obama himself. Someone giving $4 million? <laughs> yeah, somebody, somebody calling up to give some sort of money. That's, that's ridiculous. And, yeah, when you ask him the question, what can be done to fix this business? And he says, oh, that's, a good, that's a good question. Let me think about that. Let me think about that? You should, have, you should have thought about that when you bought the thing is when you should have thought about that. Let's go to another caller here, Chris. Because we have them. We have to go to them. I love it. 616. I'm trying to click the button right here. 616, you are on the air here in the net live. Give us your name, where you're calling from. Hello? Hello? 616, you're on the air. Oh, hey, Kevin. Scott in Michigan. How you doing, man? Good, Scott. Thanks for calling. What do you got for us today? Hey, I uh, just want to say a couple things. One is I appreciate your candor. It's uh, it's refreshing to know that nobody's pulling any punches or making any excuses. Two is is if uh, the current ownership would have ever done any research on the markets that they went to, saying that they can't go to small markets and succeed. Uh, Cincinnati's implying Cincinnati 20 or 25,000 people doesn't matter. Those are fans who buy the products of the sponsors that sponsor the tour. Yeah. 
just because it's 100,000 people walking by doesn't mean they, they give a crap about volleyball. You know, they, they misdrew all these numbers. I think that they have to take the theory of going to markets where people really want to watch it, really want to see it, and really want to buy products. And, uh, you know, obviously you didn't re read any of the research. If he runs a hedge fund, and I am in the money business, you would think you'd do the research to see the places where they had large gates, where they sold a lot of the products uh, that sponsored the tour, and, and look at creating that instead of going to a Texas parking lot where they get 600 people there for a weekend or a casino in San Diego or whatever, you know. And it's just, one, I really appreciate the fact that you're not letting the guy off the hook because he shouldn't be. And two is, is what he's really done is damage the entire sport because you have all these young guys coming up trying to, to make it and understand to follow their dreams and yet – they got a guy who just turns the valve off and says, well, maybe I'll come back with it. Well, how can he come back with it if he couldn't operate it? And if they had $28 million, they have 11 then common business sense would say to a guy who owns 20 businesses or runs 20 businesses, according to him, that if you have $11 million and you spend 16 you're going to go out of business. I mean, no that's doubt. Not, no doubt. The, you know, and that's, that's what just appalls me is, you know, a guy gets on and does, like you said, you ask some great questions, and, and, and I agree with the previous caller, not even real tough questions, and he just skirted them and put you on hold. He was rude. I mean, volleyball people deserve better than that. Scott, thanks for your call. Thanks, thanks Scott. Man. Hey, you know, it's funny. Uh, you know, Scott's talking about uh, events like Cincinnati, and, and some of the best events that I've ever been a part of in my 13 years were Muskegon, Michigan. Yeah, it's a big <laughs> Cin event there. Cincinnati, and I know those are considered small markets, but they were great events. So I don't know the business side of it and why those markets aren't attractive to to, to ownership, but, man, those events are great. Hey, people love the sport there. Hey, smarter people than me are going to figure out yeah. how this might work or might not work. You know, business people who run events, run tournaments, have experience. But Scott brings up a great point that this is now a damaged product due to Lewin's ownership. Really, he has reduced the value of this from whenever he purchased it drastically. The sponsors have gone away. Those sponsors that did return, they returned at a lower amount. He's burned bridges. You can hear from talking to him. Do you want him in a board meeting? I don't think I go into a board meeting and listen to Nick Lewin talk, and I've heard him talk in front of the USA Volleyball Board, and I've seen emails from him to the USA Volleyball Board. He is not, to me, the ownership stake or a man that you look at and go, yes, I want to put my money on board with this guy in an investment. I can't imagine who he's convincing to put money on board with him when he does not have a cohesive plan to really execute anything near as I can figure. You ask him a question about what his plan was, he doesn't know, he starts talking about cost-cutting, there were no, no, no identification of strategic planning. I mean, really, it's, it's appalling to listen to him and listen to, as Scott just alluded to, the lack of preparation, the lack of knowledge, the lack of uh, really just business sense, it seems, from what he says, uh, about what's going on with the AVP. Were you surprised, Barney, that he said uh, he's not sure that he's out of it yet? <laughs> did that, did, did that yeah. surprise you? Yeah, I'm surprised he thinks he can make a go of it. I think that's just bravado talking. I think it's a bunch. I think it's a lie. There's no way he can bring that thing back. It's, he's gotten rid of everybody. And, and everyone I've talked to in the sport has not had positive things to say. There's no way you can rebuild this thing. And, and I didn't really think it was great how he tried to lay that off on Hodel and Dodd. I mean, in those comments, that is, oh, this was uh, Jason Hodell and Mike Dodd's tour. Really? Really, this was their tour? So you're going to throw them under the bus? As soon as it's over, you're going to throw them under the bus? 
And I couldn't find quotes from him. Maybe my internet searching, you know, maybe I, it's garbage. Maybe I couldn't find the right quote from the LA Times. He claims he had a quote in there. Perhaps there is. I couldn't find that. I saw several other press releases and, and commentaries from different places. No quotes from him. So I wonder where, what this guy's doing. I don't think this guy is really on the up and up, everyone I talk to. Hey, we've got another caller, area code 405. Thanks for being here on the Net Live. Who are you? Where are you calling from? Hey, this is uh, Lincoln Barnett from Oklahoma. Lincoln Barnett, you are a filmmaker yes, who made a great film about volleyball, This Is My Life, I believe is the title. I have a wonderful copy of it here on, C- on uh, DVD. Lincoln, yes. thanks for calling in. Well, it's uh, great to be on the show. I listen to it uh, every now and then, and today's topic is uh, a bit exceptional. And I, I love your analysis of basically what's been going on this morning. Um, the guy that's uh, in charge basically sounds like he's not in charge. He's very detached. You know, and so um, definitely just what you said. I mean, it doesn't sound like the right guy that needs to be be in there, uh, number one, running it, but also he doesn't sound like he doesn't exude confidence in being able to fix this whole thing. So I think uh, a lot of people out there are in agreement with you for sure. Awesome. Lincoln, thanks for your comment. Keep getting it done out there in Oklahoma. Uh, yeah, let me, let me throw out one more thing real yeah. quick. Uh, just, I just want to know what your thoughts are as far as now that the AVP is maybe not the representative now of beach volleyball here in America, per se, uh, as far as the domestic tour, how might the possibility of USA Volleyball be in a position to be able to take over something like that since they are uh, much more involved with the FIVB? All right, I'll head off on that topic right now. Lincoln, thank you very much. Thank you. Yeah, we've we've mentioned previously that USAV has an opportunity, and I think they're going to seize it. They're going to take a little more space in that so? beach volleyball space. I, I would. If I was running a business, hey, it's a nonprofit. It's a national governing body, but it's still a business. They still need revenue. The juniors know that. There's revenue from the juniors that goes into yeah. USA Volleyball, and I think that they have an opportunity now to really step up their game and fill some of that void. I think you're going to see a couple of players. This is a little bit like energy. You know, oil goes away, you're going to see wind, you're going to see solar, you're going to see all these different things. I think AVP goes away, leaves that vacuum, you're going to see a few different people. It was really interesting what Sunday said about the FIVB having maybe four tournaments here next year. Yeah. And I think that that goes with the promoter model we've talked about. And I thought about that. I was like, God, he might be right on that. You know, it's something that I didn't hear a lot this weekend. You know, people talk about who's going to come in and, you know. Sorry, Millie's jumping all over me. USA Volleyball always gets mentioned, or Billy Berger and Karch get mentioned, and some new investors get mentioned, but people haven't really talked about the FIVB, so I thought that was that's, that's definitely a possibility. It's an 800-pound gorilla in the world of volleyball. They have, uh, as Paul mentioned, also a ton of money. They have a very healthy business, and uh, I'll tell you where that money comes from. It doesn't come from beach. Okay, that tour is okay, but the money, big money they have comes from the indoor side of the game and all the professional leagues around the world and the professional events they run and that's where the big money is is in indoor and you're seeing that now i think that's a bit of a shock for the beach players here after listening to them in the fall and in the spring talk about how great their sport was and how high profile it was and all the other things that it's doing yeah you are with the olympics but you really don't have this healthy sustainable thing in between at least not in the united states just like indoor and then worldwide there's one tour and then you mentioned brazil as another domestic tour there are other smaller domestic tours but on the indoor side of things, you look around the world, there are indoor leagues in nearly every country. The only place they don't have it is where, well, anywhere they speak <laughs> yeah, yeah. English. Yeah. <laughs> Great call. <laughs> if you speak English in your country, you don't have a volleyball league. That's the biggest thing. But I, I thought the USAV board is an interesting question that came up to me, and we're going to have to research this with Doug Beal. What happens now to that position on the USA Volleyball board that says there's a position for the beach tour? 
a manager from the beach tour. It used to be filled by Jason Hodell. That position now is vacant, and who knows where that representation comes yeah. from for that board. So that's another interesting question there. Got another caller, 310-382. You're on the air. Barney Geeter, it's Lindsey Breeden. Lindsey Breeden, Dan Madden <laughs> Dan boss. Dan boss. <laughs> What's up, Linz? We appreciate you loaning him to us. Yeah. Absolutely. And we noted uh, the time that he left, him. just so you would know that he wasn't skimping out and saying, oh, traffic was terrible, or I was at the show for an extra two hours. I know. He's going to take the bus back, which is amazing. You guys should give him a ride next time. <laughs> hey, it's somebody to drive him. <laughs> Lindsey, bring it. What do you got for yeah. us? So, uh, Nick, man, that guy. Uh, I was just so frustrated and disappointed with what he was saying. Um, you know, what it really comes down to is he's just not a good person. And, um, you know, I married a volleyball player. My best friends in the world are volleyball players. The volleyball community is amazing. And it's just that's not the type of person that fits in with our community and is a good representative of what we want to be and what we want to have. Do you think he um, wanted to come just you know, for the party? Do you think he was attracted by this entity that he'd seen and he wanted to be a part of the party? I, You know, I don't know. He's, uh, you know, there's something to speak about athletes, right? I hired Dan to work for me because he's an athlete. Um, one of my other buddies here, Zach, he's an athlete, a former basketball player, right? I like working with athletes because they're driven, they work hard, and they don't give up. You know what I mean? They get the job done and they don't complain about it, you know? And, he, you know, you've seen Nick. He's about as far from an athlete as you could get. And I think just that whole mentality and his approach to um, running the AVP, it just it doesn't work. It's not successful, and he isn't successful. That's why, that's why it failed. There you go, Lindsay. Thanks for chiming in. Thanks, Hopefully Lindsay. he makes it there soon. Hey, Barney. See you guys. Donnie Killian. Yeah. Former volleyball player. Went to Pepperdine. Played at Pepperdine after then, me. Then, then USC. Yeah. Uh, found the quotes. Okay. Nick Lewin, RJSM has invested heavily in beach volleyball and we're in the middle of negotiating additional financing with the AVP to make it even a stronger property. That was July 29th. We see a bright future for the tour and we will continue to support its future growth opportunities. We're looking forward to the rest of the season. That's the last quote, July 29th. Okay, but July 29th, that's before the tour collapsed. Once the tour collapsed, where is he? If somebody can find it, Donnie Killian, thank you. If somebody can find it, bring it to me. All right, let's hear what that quote was, because I think when the whole thing collapsed, this guy who'd been at the tour and been so in the forefront with USA Volleyball and talking about the players and supporting the players, and I've seen a lot of angry stuff from him during that whole thing, and you watch him at tournaments, where was he? Where did he go? That's what I wanted to know. You know, we still have 405. I don't know if this is Lincoln. Lincoln's still hanging on. 405-250. Is that you, Lincoln? Yeah, I'm still here. Okay, cool. You're just listening in? I like that. I like that. Yeah, just listening in. I need yeah, it's a great show, so I'm checking it out. Awesome. We'll come back to you anytime you're going to say it's a great show. We'll just lift that quote. Thank you, Lincoln. <laughs> all right, now we got 305. We're all about the 05s right now. 305, 799, and you're on the air. Kevin, it's Rudy. I'm one kind of good guy in Lindsay to uh, myself down in Miami. Nice. I found something from Nick Lewin, but it's not an exact quote. It's in the LA Times. It's from August 19th. He's mentioned in the subhead. Okay. It's, uh, it's an indirect quote. They paraphrase him here. It's uh, the subhead for volleyball players away options as AVP struggles. Yeah. It says uh, several players are playing overseas while their association works out its financial woes. Nick Lewin of RJSM, controlling partner of the AVP, says something is likely to happen in the next three months. That was August 19th. <laughs> 
Something is likely then, to happen. Uh, yeah, the other one was, I think the, we've uh, got a pretty good idea on. of what happened to us. I think we've got a pretty good idea of what happened to us, and we don't want it to happen to us again. Whoa. <laughs> that was August 19th. You're right. And the take on what Nick was like on your guys' show, I think the only way to really explain it, Lindsay kind of hit it on the head, but also I watched Entourage last night. God, I don't I love know if you show. guys watch Entourage on HBO. Yeah. But it sort of seems like the agent that works for E, his name is Scott, who we just found out they were selling Coke to Vince. He sort of seems like that guy. He wants to be the life of the party, but he doesn't want to do the work to be the life of the party. There you go. Dude, I haven't seen it yet. I t it. it. I was going to watch it tonight. You I like it. Me. Rudy, thanks, man. Kidding, Rudy. Take care, guys. You know, the sentiment I hear so often is frustration, disappointment, and Lewin's bad guy. And it's not just me. It's not just me. That's what we hear from people all around you talk to and, and listen to uh, about what's happened with this whole thing. And I think they've mentioned the questions a few times. A couple of calls have mentioned the questions that we were giving to Nick Lewin. And look, when I had him on the show, I wanted to give him a fair shake and say, all right, let's, let's ask questions to this guy. Let's not just beat him up. I went on my rant last week, but let's not beat him up. Let's ask him some legitimate questions and find out what happened. And I think you guys out there, your listeners, got a real feel for this guy doesn't know what happened. I don't think he had a plan. I don't think he has a plan now. I don't think he has five good ideas, much less a hundred. And, you know, not sharing them on the show because your, your, your uh, competition is going to take them. Are they really that good? I mean, I just don't. I just don't see it. I don't buy it, and I and I think uh, it's just not true. So, uh, you know, I hope you guys got a feel for it, and you guys judge for yourselves. I mean, I have my opinion, but you guys have to judge for yourselves out there as to what kind of guy you really think uh, Nick Lewin is. By the way, you've had back-to-back MVP-type performances, Kevin Barnett. That's why I bring you on live. the show. Thank you. Thank you know you, what I mean, Geeter? I appreciate. I don't that. care how mad Reed is at you. <laughs> He's mad. Reed is the one guy that likes Nick. I, it, it amazes me, and I'll mention it now, but you know, you can call Reed, email us, thenetlive at gmail.com, and ask Reed over and over again why he likes Nick Lewin. And Reed's pissed because Kevin and I were way too busy for him this weekend. Yeah, we had other things to do. I went to jazz concert on Friday night. <laughs> I had football all day Saturday. I had football Sunday morning. I went to John Mayer last night. You know, the Eagles, the Eagles got to win more than one game this year. The fo- yeah. flag football Eagles, they can't go... One and six. We have to go at yeah, least yeah. two and nine. Coaching 101. I saw the book. I mean, you're, you're so dialed in right now. <laughs> Got it right here. Coaching <laughs> really Clinic. Does. Coaching Clinic. Coaching Clinic. That was my, my early Saturday night activity. Let's make it up to read this week. We have Let's to get him here on the show. I miss his voice. I do, too. I think should he we, needs to be in. Should we dine with him or something? I would like to if you'd stop working Dodgers. I know. It's my fault. <laughs> Doyers, God, are they struggling to get runs across the plate. Hey, if you're going to make money, dude, you got to go. I wanted one more thing on here. It was that kindofgood.com. This is Dan's website. You know, they put up, they handled some letters from Mike Dodd. They did a great job. From CBVA, California Beach Volleyball Association, who ran the Manhattan Open, we've talked a lot about, from the city of Manhattan Beach, and really had some awesome discussion and comments going on on their site. So check out kindofgood.com. You can get a real insight into what was happening. There's a great letter on there from Mike Dodd. Yeah. I think he, he hit the tone just right, because he didn't like the return to old school rules. It was, he wasn't in favor of it. But at the end, his very last sentence or nearly last sentence was, even though the rules are the way they are or something like that, the players should come play. They should play in this tournament. It's the 50th anniversary. It's the, the highest profile tournament. It's the thing that really started it all for that sport. The players should come play. And I thought Mike hit just the right tone with that, that, hey, I don't care for what's happening, but I'm going to show up and be a part of it because the tournament and the history of volleyball is bigger than me. And I thought that was a good tone to hit. So check it out. Kindofgood.com has letters from, from the city, from CBBA. You'll get insight into some of the reasoning behind the way that tournament was run. Yeah, and there's a, 
There's some great voices on that on that website. You know, AJ wrote a lot of good stuff, and Hans gets on there. And AJ Mahalik, who was yeah, a Billy partner, Allen, kind of good. Johnny Mayer, those guys are all involved, and there's there's some some guys with some real insight. These are guys who care. I mean, yeah, they care absolutely. about the sport. It's their life. And you listen to Dan, and I get annoyed with Dan sometimes because he's so one sided about the whole thing. But you got to appreciate the purity of Dan's position and how much he loves the sport. Really, he loves yeah. beach volleyball. We had some great conversations yesterday. There's one time uh, I'm sitting there with Mark Worschel, my, my old uh, boss at the AVP, the, uh, executive producer, and, and Dan, and we're discussing TV and, and how it can work and, and why it should work. And Dan's got his opinions. Mark has his. And then after the Manhattan Open, there's Chris Brown. You know, Chris Brown's like the, the epitome uh, of a cool guy. Grew up in the South Bay, great surfer, you yeah. know, he's president of the CBVA. There's Dan from New Jersey, and then there's me from the Valley, and all three of us are talking on the sands of Manhattan Beach about beach volleyball, and, and that's cool to me. You know what I mean? That three guys from totally different backgrounds are there hanging out, talking about the sport. And, uh, and that's what's happening right now. It's being talked about, but now something's got to get done, Barney. Something has to happen. I don't see it happening. Everybody keeps talking about next year, how it's going to be back next year. Okay, this is what has to happen. It has to reconstitute itself either under Nick Lewin. He has to bring back everybody somehow under his leadership, or he has to negotiate a deal to sell it. The new person has to get everything up and running and get some tour dates established and so on. I just don't see it happening in eight months. I mean, this is a tour that normally started in April, May. You're talking right now eight months to get that entire business process done. I really don't see it. Yes, Glenn, what's the AVP worth? I have no idea. Really? You're a businessman and you have no idea what your property is worth? No notion of where to go with it? It's another example of, of his lack of acumen, I think. I was talking to Billy Strickland's parents yesterday. I, you know, I used to coach him, so I've known them for, for years and years, and they were kind of asking me what I thought was going to go on. And my fear... Barney, is that, is George loud right now? Sorry. My fear is that you're going to lose the Aaron Walkvogels, the Billy Allens, yes. John Mayers, the Billy Strickland. Yes. Those are the guys that have been grinding it out for a few years. They are in the prime of their volleyball careers. The next five years, those guys are going to be the tour, along with, you know, the guys, of course, yes. like Phil and Todd, Casey, Mal, all, all those guys. But, but that's the core right there. Your, your players that are ranked in the top 20. But those are the guys you're going to lose because they're at an age, they're getting married and they're 28, 29 years old, they got to move on. Absolutely. You're going to lose those players, and that's when we're going to be in big trouble. Aaron mentioned it. When he said he's not training very much. He said, what am I training for? And he starts thinking about, am I going to go to something else? Because he yeah. mentioned, I have a wife. What am I going to do He's playing with the best he's been ever played. Same yeah. with Billy Strickland and Billy Allen. He could and John go from, Mayer. Those guys are at the top of their games. He could go from Manhattan Beach champion to out of the sport inside of a year. and out of, Not out of the sport for an injury, but just out of the sport because he can't continue. And that's really a sad thing. Really, really I mean, I, I, I'm watching that game yesterday, Rosie Walkfogel, uh, Billy Allen, and, and, and Jeff Nygaard, and you're like, my God, we might not see these guys play against each other again. They might, and it was a, the, the game was at the highest level. The talent's out there. We'll have to see what happens. Hey, we know that beach volleyball has been sucking up a ton of air on this show in discussions about volleyball. Anytime anyone talks about volleyball, it's all about the collapse of that tour. We know that's been happening. I'm sure we're going to have a lot more discussions about what went on. But we're going to start to shift our focus. We have to get to women's college because that's what's coming up. They're getting started. I believe it's this weekend. They're going to hit off with their first set of matches. And it's going to be another great season at the collegiate level. And we also have the international side, the women, who we've barely mentioned here, even though I've been doing the broadcast. We're going to talk more about that next week, the Grand Prix. Women started pretty slow. Not a great first weekend. Logan Tom came back for the second weekend, put Stacey Sakura in there along with that veteran group, and boy, oh boy, they are a talented group of athletes. I am so excited for the future of that team 
and the national team on the women's side, it's just going to be amazing. Destiny Hooker playing opposite. She's off to a great start. She really is off to a great start. Nice work by her. Jordan Larson out of Nebraska. Yep. Some of those, those teams we've already mentioned, Texas, Nebraska, producing players that are now really affecting the women's national team. They're on to the finals. You always tell me this quote. It's, it always hits me now, and I use it all the time with, with people when I, when I talk to them about indoor, that, that Hugh told you it takes like eight years. Yeah. These guys really get it, and we have a lot of youth, but it's exciting, man. These guys are ballers. These young women are good. I got to watch them, and they're, they're, they're impressive. They're, they're, not only good Quickly. At, they're not only good at volleyball, technically, because women typically have played for many more years yep. than the men, but they are physical. They are absolutely physical. When you go Heather Bown or Faluka Akinradowo or Destiny Hooker or Jordan Larson, these are physical women, really, really great volleyball players. And my expectations keep rising yeah, for that I, team I was going to say, when you and I talked a few weeks ago, you thought 2016, this is a gold medal contender. What are your thoughts now for London? It's getting so close. i tell you what, I think they're a contender. Awesome. They're, if they can stay healthy, if you can keep a bound, if you can keep a Logan, if you can integrate those ladies into Logan Tom, if you can integrate those ladies into the younger talent and have the younger talent come along, because part of the complaint has been from the veterans that I've talked to, I've talked to five or six different players, and it has been the mistakes of the youth. But that's, that's normal. That's normal. You were a part of that, that Olympic team, 2000, 2004, and a big part of it in 2008. Where are they compared to you guys? You know how in 2004 you guys seemed to really start to get it? You had some huge yeah. wins, and then you really started to click that next quadrant. Where's this team when you look at them? Do they remind you at all of, the, of, of what you guys went through? They do, and I asked <laughs> you that question because in 2006, two years out, uh, I was still very much in touch with the team. I was still rehabbing. I just moved here. I just quit a few months before, and I was in the gym a few days a week with them. Uh, and, and I asked you about that. Where are your women? Where is that team? And he said they're ahead. Really? Yeah, in some ways. Yeah, gotcha. Behind in others, but they're ahead in some ways. And uh, I, when I look at them, the way that they, they've gelled just through this <clears throat> tournament, I, I think that they're ahead. It's the interpersonal stuff that, that really I think will sustain you through the ups and downs, the ebbs and the flows of playing volleyball. And that was one of the great things about that men's team. You know, Riley and like, how, how many Olympics has Lloyd been? Four. So his fourth, he was at his all-time best. Absolutely. You know, and, and those guys that all had some, some great experience. And that, that counts. So you hit on something. You got to keep a Logan. And you got to keep these guys and in, in integrate them. And how's that going to work? Because you have to have that to win a gold, right? Or to even you, you have to. You can't physically overpower everybody. You just can't. Yeah. The systems are too good. <clears throat> and when I mentioned about the players, and the great thing about that team for the men in 08, you didn't know the score by looking at them. You didn't oh know God. if they were I, up by 10 or down by 10. I've recently watched that gold medal match. You talk about a team that the prize was out there, and they were just going forward and not looking anywhere else. They were just playing. It's point it was 24-22, point. whatever, and they, it looked like yeah. it was 7-7. Seven, seven. They were just playing. Absolutely. They're in the moment. And that's what Hugh's getting this team to do. And that's why you have to have the veterans. That's why that 4 success was so important. Starting to build that culture, that culture of, I'm not working against my teammate for a spot. We're all working for this team to be successful. And Hugh will tell you, while the 12 members of that team in 2008 get the credit for being gold medalists, uh-huh. there are another five guys in that gym who contributed greatly, even more over the quad, over those previous four years. Yeah, contributed that's a great greatly. Point to that gold medal, and really, in the grand scheme of things, deserve to stand on that stand next to those 12 players. Yeah, I remember because Tally Farrell was part of the team for a little bit and guys like that, right? Sue Joe. Absolutely. There's all kinds yeah. of guys through that whole period. McKenzie? McKenzie? I don't know. 
I mean, I'm just saying those guys were, were around, though, in like 2006 at the, at the... Absolutely. Yeah, you know. Absolutely. McKenzie, Billings. Yeah. And it, those guys are there. Those guys are a huge part of the success of those yeah. 12 men once they reach the Olympic Games. It's not all done by 12 guys for four years. It's a large group of people, and that goes for coaches, too. There's a lot of coaches in and out of the gym who leave their footprint, leave an impression, and help point. players along. You look at a Carl McGowan, or you look at a Mark Dunphy who comes in. There's some you know, other younger coaches in the game that have come in and out and been a part of that. And I think that it's important to realize that those people are also a part of that success. All right, we're going to end on that because that's a great place to stop, Chris McGee. Yeah, I uh, always enjoy that. I appreciate you being here. I appreciate you taking the time out of your busy schedule to come to a non-paying job, given the, <laughs> given your current situation. That's why, you know, when I, when I had to cancel dinner, I'm like, dude, I hope you guys understand this. Oh, but of course. Dude. I need to go make that money. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm just going to try and ride your coattails. As soon as you're big time, I'm going to be calling you twice as much. Yeah. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, it's been another episode of The Net Live here on the volleyballnetwork.com. We appreciate you tuning in. Drop us a line during the week. TheNetLive at gmail.com. Drop us a line. We would love to hear from you, topics, things. I can't guarantee it's going to get on, but you'll probably, if we read it, you'll at least get into our mind. You'll worm your way in to what we're talking about and what we're thinking. And, Barney, you've got to thank all the, the, the new listeners and, of course, our loyal listeners that have been with us a long time. But the show is, is getting some momentum, and, and, and people are listening, and you've got to appreciate that. I mean, it's, it's, it's been awesome. The new listeners, the new callers, yep. we want you to be here. We do. We appreciate the fact that you're here, that you care about the sport, that you love the program. That you bother to listen to us while we just sit up here and mess around on Monday morning. Any scones? Yeah. How are we going to top that next week? I don't, I don't know. know. Can your wife? <clears throat> can your wife take every Monday off? Sure. Can I not be hungover next time? Sure. I don't know if that's going to work though for the the payment. We may end up in a smaller house. Sorry, Reed. Hope you love us still. It's been the Net Live here on the Volleyball Network dot com. Check us out on iTunes. It's free. See you again next week. <laughs>